Hey everyone, Molly here. Um, before we get the podcast started, I just wanted to let you know that the it seems like the USB cable that I used um, was going bad, and so throughout the podcast, at different times on my track, you will hear this really strange digital noise show up. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't do anything about it. It's there, I can't get rid of it, but instead of just throwing away the podcast, I'm going to release it as it is and hope it's not too bad. So sorry. Hope you can put up with it, and otherwise, enjoy the show. Welcome back, generic video game podcast listeners. It is now time to enter an alternate reality, a virtual reality, as we embark on episode 21 of the Generic Video Game Podcast. You're once again joined by myself, Anthony, alongside Morning Project's very own Vita Faithful and Overwatch Halloween cosplaying goddess molly i i i legitimately there was that moment where i'm like do i want to go out and see if i can find a witch costume for myself for this halloween and actually go with that so there was like that moment that i actually did think about it and i am very upset because i think i've gotten like 15 halloween uh boxes so far and zero mercy outfits but i have gotten soldier 76's outfit twice in a row now so wow but you know i'm I'm lucky because i have i have the points i need so thankfully some around they're letting you actually buy them with points they're they're more expensive prices but you can actually buy them so someone was telling me aren't they like triple or something like that yeah yeah because usually like the legendary skins are 1000 but now they're like 3000 like her witch outfit wow. and stuff so worse than the worst mm-hmm. i can still get it but i want to see how much i can actually earn before it comes time to to buy so yeah kind of last resort yep well uh halloween season is certainly here it's coming to a close here in a few days as we're recording this on uh thursday night the 27th a few days out from halloween entering thanksgiving and the full-blown holiday season. Uh, Once again, we are here for Generic Video Game Podcast Episode 21. I want to thank Molly for being here once again alongside myself uh, on uh, Radio.MorningProject. So with that being said, uh, this evening, kind of a little bit of a special episode. We have some uh, listener questions, uh, one of those being our top 10 games of all time. You spoiled Uh, it. Thank you. That you felt oh, like that was going to be a surprise? Completely spoiled his email, but that's I guess that's fine. <laughs> it's not like Just we have to me. hook them. This isn't TV. <laughs> We've already got them. They're listening. They're already here. They're not going to go away. Uh, I'm uh, gaming's Nostradamus, but um, yeah, we've got that. Uh, VR has now officially launched, and uh, before you switch that podcast station. We've also got some Switch news. And, uh, you know, Molly and I always love the negativity, it seems, especially when we talk Nintendo. I've never loved a company so much and hated them all at the same time. Do you want to start there? Do you want to just do you want to talk a little bit about VR or do you want to talk about the Switch? Uh, I will I will read this and you'll get an answer. Um, uh, Switch, it's a noun. It is a person who vacillates between dominant and submissive roles within sexual relationships. <laughs> so good job, Nintendo, naming your new console after a kink. 
hoping that individual you're doing that with is Taylor Swift. I, I, I don't know how appropriate. <laughs> I don't know how much of a, a, a switch she is. I feel like she's a dom all the time. I don't know that she's a sub ever. Um, but okay, so, so since you ruined our one email, I'm, I'm going to read another one right now because it actually directly ties into this. Uh, mm. So this comes from Neo East, and he says, um, Oh, yeah, okay. I don't, I don't recall it being said by anyone at the time of its reveal that we would go on to be the global hit success it was. How do you guys feel about Switch at this early point in terms of the successful potential? Is it going to knock it out of the park at launch as the new must-have innovative gaming device? Or do you see it as more of a first step in a long road to create a disruptive hybrid console category that will take a longer time frame to realize? Do you guys think Switch is going to Wii or not to Wii? Clever. Last line there. So that sets up, um, yes, so Nintendo Switch was announced. Uh, I mean, I already pretty much knew, you know, not knew, but I knew what to kind of expect from all the rumors that had come out and everything. Uh, Nintendo announces it in this three-some-minute trailer that uh, has no talking, no real words, just people playing this and kind of showing it off. But so, Anthony, when you watch that video, like, uh, I guess before that, what did you go in thinking the Switch was going to be? I mean, did you believe the rumors that it was going to be like a console slash hybrid uh, handheld? Or what did you think? For the first time, uh, I stopped, and I'm not joking, I stopped believing Nintendo rumors since the original Wii. Um, At that point in time, it was there were like these wacky rumors online it could be like this big vr headset ironically a whole type of new immersive experience it could be this it could be that and i totally bought into it and when the wii was shown i was just like what the hell is going on now i'm not going to get into that diatribe and knock that everyone knows how i feel so i really learned my lesson from that and the wii went on to in for the first few years was a humongous success i'm not going to deny that i will also clarify i've never owned a wii nor do i now uh, its successor or, you know, next uh, one up was the Wii U. I said I would never own that either. Uh, I had to backpedal, and I did wind up purchasing one primarily for a Bayonetta 2. I will say, uh, in a weird turn of events, I really do believe some of the greatest games this past generation, I really do believe, have been on the Wii U. Wow. That's not me giving a glowing that is not me giving a glowing review for that system. I still loathe the pad. I hate the jankiness of all of the numerous controllers having to have a nunchuck uh and remote to access the original Wii app. Um I didn't like the placement of the analog pieces on the Wii U Pro controller. Many of the third-party gamepads I used for the most part sucked. I I became a master of learning what controllers to use, when to use them, and what was good and what wasn't for that unit. The crazy bit of irony, though, is some of the most original or best sequels and some of the prettiest looking games due to their art direction have been on the Wii U. Some examples off the top of my head, not on a list because this this wasn't the main topic tonight. Mm-hmm. Everything from Splatoon 
to Bob Mario did, Kart yeah. 8. Yeah. Mario Kart 8, you, you probably saw that news bit recently, and this is astonishing. There are approximately 13 million Wii U owners. As of this, uh, as of this evening, over 8 million copies of Mario Kart 8 have been stole, uh, <laughs> sold. Excuse me. That's like that's unheard of. Yeah, that's that's, like, that's one of the crazy. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, oh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Great game. Had the cojones not to even use the gamepad. It didn't care because it knew the importance of gameplay. It had a traditional 2D perspective, 3D rendered. Fantastic title. Super Mario 3D World. Another great title. Beautiful look with that Nintendo art direction. Uh, I believe, yeah, I already mentioned Splatoon. Um, they've gotten some nice exclusives. Xenoblade Chronicles X. Uh, Shin, Megami, Shin Megami Tensei Cross Fire Emblem, which I haven't tried yet, but it's sitting on my counter. But just some examples of games that have got that have been critically acclaimed. Maybe not huge sellers. Um, I loved Super Mario 3D Maker. I'm excited for the 3DS yeah, counterpart coming. Yeah, but uh, uh, that's just off the top of my head. There's been a lot of great stuff. I've just hated. I hated the name of the console. And I hated the gamepad. That's that. So I was a liar about the Wii U. Said I wasn't going to get it. Got it. Got Bayonetta 2. I did complete it. Uh, Great version of Bayonetta 1 came with it. And it had some great titles. Okay. Now we're finally to the Switch. Okay. I'm going to watch my words on this carefully. (laughs) I don't hate the Switch. Hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not going to buy one because I don't want to eat crow again. But am I going to get it day one? Not sure. Also, I believe their next presentation comes January 12th. I'm just going to throw that out there before I forget. I read that today. Now, when I first saw it, I'm like, just the appearance of the console and the handheld portion, we'll call it the controller, the screen, whatever you want to call it how compact it was and the actual look and color scheme, you know what? At first glance, I thought it looked really good. It looks like it, you could almost tell me that this is either a Wii U 2 or a Wii U Pro and I would believe it. Hmm. But the more I learn about it, it's really not a Wii U. Because you correct me if I'm wrong, I've read this, and I, I don't know if I, I don't think I've seen this like from Nintendo's mouth, but you stop me if I'm pulling this out of my backside. In a crazy turn of events that I just learned that I can't believe, that screen the slash controller you hold in your hand is not used for second screen gameplay. Nope. What? <laughs> well, no, because the, the, the screen is the screen is a system. That's why. Can we? Can I get a moment of silence to just... I have to let this sit for a second. <sighs> this is an interesting turn of events. Like, this is interesting. I like, didn't know how this was going to go. How... Like, because, okay, so this blows out... One, okay, this blows away one of the ideas I had. And even in the trailer, it this goes against my thoughts because, okay, so that 
I didn't even know what to call it. We're going to call it the handheld, the controller. Okay, the screen. This controller. They showed Splatoon. Okay. And people are believing it's either some sort of remaster or tweak due to the different hairstyles and a couple little yeah, it, it's uh, not gonna things be that people call it. Okay, whatever it is. Let's say it's Splatoon remastered. Now, not that this was some sort of big game playing element. It really wasn't necessary. But, like, you had your map. your sh- Like, you could click certain areas, jump to them all off your second screen. But, like, even though that's – and this is just one little example. Like, that whole element is now gone – but you're still going to have that screen in your hand. I do, like. I get that the switch. I understand that it's wait, just wait, the portability. wait, what? Wait, what did so you like, say? Okay. Well, maybe I'm misunderstanding something. When you're playing Switch, it's still going to run on your main TV too, correct? No. Oh, get out of here. Do you not understand Stop. Switch? I don't think you. No, understand I what don't. The switch is. I don't. I can't believe this. Okay. Oh, this is, this is worse. This is getting worse. This it's is getting worse before okay. it gets better. Okay, so let's bring it down to it's pieces. It's getting right? so worse. Okay, you have that screen. Okay. Just think only of the screen, the little screen, right? That may or may not be a tablet. We don't know. We don't know for sure if it's touchscreen at this point. We don't know how much it runs on its own. We don't know if it can run without any controls on it at all. So let's just say it's a little tablet piece, a little screen. Oh that is the system. That is the that is the system that you're buying. You then get the two Joy Cons, the Joy Con R and Joy Con L. That's the two things Which I didn't that get slide to and, look, and look horrible. Look horrible. That, that slide onto the screen, and when they're both clicked into place, they turn it into a, a handheld gaming unit, kind of like a kind of like a PS Vita. Would you say right? It's very Vita like. Uh, y- yes, yes, okay. I will agree with that. Yes. At that point, you are playing the Switch as a handheld. That is the only way it plays. It plays as a handheld. Now, you can, and the same thing you could do with like the PSP and the Vita, you can then use an additional controller to play using the handheld as a screen, but that is how you're playing. You're playing it as a handheld. You then take that handheld and you, you slide it into the dock, and once you slide it into the dock, that then allows it to play itself through your television. Hmm? And at that point... Okay. You can either take those those Joy-Cons off, use them s- separately by themselves, you can slide them into a little holder thing to make it more like a traditional controller, or you can have their traditional controller, kind of like the, the Pro Controller, whatever it's called now. I hate this system already. So you have... You're playing it on a TV, or you're playing it as a handheld. There, there, there's no you're not ever playing it as a handheld and it's on the TV at the same time that's never going to happen <laughs> so I, I want I want to say um, so you mentioned buying systems for the first for the, on the first day one yep and I was trying to think about that I bought my PS4 day one before that the only system I bought day one actually was the Wii and before before Ooh. that, the the previous system I bought day one was the N sixty four. Yeah. Okay. All right. Which is weird. That's a, actually, that's kind of and Nintendo. Yeah, you're not a huge Nintendo fan. I don't like Nintendo consoles in like 
two of the three most recent day one purchases I've made have been Nintendo consoles. Um, and, and then a PlayStation would be before that because I, I didn't buy I didn't buy Saturn day one. Uh, I might buy this day one. I am so oh, excited. Molly, I am so Molly. excited by it. I am so stop. excited by it. Stop I am so it. excited by it. Molly, no, no, no. Stop. Because here's the thing. I, the, okay, so the Wii U 3DS, right? I, I love Nintendo's handhelds. I, I have I, for I, a long, long we time. We are in agreement. I am in agreement there. I okay. agree. That's, I, I am, do I not like Nintendo's home consoles. Because I at this point, here's the thing. If I want another handheld, okay, yes, Sony has PlayStation. I have, I mean, Vita. And before they had the PSP. But there's only ever been two choices. There's been two choices to have. And two choices I'm okay with. Three I'm not okay with. Home console, you're never going to convince me to get a Nintendo console above a PlayStation or an Xbox. I mean, the last time you did that was GameCube. Because uh, Resident, Evil, Resident, okay. Resident Evil 4 was amazing. Yes. Um, like, I literally bought the system. No, I think I had the system. I bought the system from Metroid, I think. But um, I'm never going to have three consoles in my household at any one time, at least in that way. Because I do right now have ps4 ps3 and xbox one but that's about as far as i ever want to go um so i don't particularly want a nintendo console ever but the switch says hey i I can be your handheld but then if you want to play all those great console games and not miss them like the splatoon like the mario kart 8 like the mario maker whatever i already do that all for you so I only need one device. Nintendo only needs to concentrate on one system. They need to do their best job releasing games for only one platform. This is the absolute best case scenario to me in terms of what Nintendo could do. And I think this is awesome. Like there are, I have worries, but on paper, as an idea, this is the perfect thing they could have done to get me to buy it. I have a couple. I have one thing to say about this, and then when we're done talking about this, I have something completely out of left field because I'm so smart, um, and and have no no money in my wallet at the same time. <laughs> um, for me, and maybe it's me not thinking outside of the box too much. What would have been better for me personally is if they did like another 3ds XL. Now, when I say that, I don't mean like just the exact same thing, but another you know fold over uh, HD capabilities. You know, maybe a little bit bigger screen or just, you know, a beautiful, beautiful clarity because it is a good size right now. If they did something like that and had the ability for me to do like an HDMI out or something along those lines, whatever they want to finagle, and I could play that on my TV as well if I wanted to, you know what? Two thumbs up. But isn't that what they're doing right now with this? Yeah, but here's, here's my problem. Maybe I'm being an idiot. My problem with this is... I don't like that that thing looks like a long scroll. Like, and when I say long, it could be deceptive. Like, like in person, it may be a different story upon holding it or getting to feel it. But like, it also goes against the philosophies that Nintendo have put um, put into their consumers' minds over the last twelve or thirteen years, from the DS to the 3DS to the Wii U, and then like this now, like. 
this doesn't give you the two screen. Like, I guess my feeling is either they should do one or the other, in my opinion. Either they should give us another dual screen device, but juiced up, or do a more traditional home console. But like this, I feel is like... they are doing that second one. I... Do you think? But do you... I need... And I have to be careful with my words again, because I don't know the dimensions, because here's the thing... I could be looking at that video and it could be wrong in my head, but I won't name the person's name. Someone did message me privately and they said the exact same thing I did, but I'm not throwing them under the bus in case I look like an idiot. But at least one other person has had the same feeling I do. They said it's pretty cool, but they feel and they feel the portability, like the portable aspect on paper is nice, but they felt it's a little bit too big for a portable. Oh, that no, was I, my okay, exact. Yes, I understand what you're saying there. I kind of agree. Um, the thing I like about the 3DS, and I have the original model still of 3DS, is I close it up, I throw it in my purse, I leave, it's yes. it's all good to go. Like, I don't think about it. My Vita, on the other hand, I, I have a Vita case for it. I put the, the Vita in the Vita case. I put the Vita case in my actual laptop bag. I be, I'm more careful with that, you know. So this is definitely a you, anti-Nintendo in the way of you can't just, like, throw it in a backpack and expect it to be okay. Um. You can obviously, though, but you can obviously take the controller parts off and compact it down more. But I do understand what you're saying size-wise. You know, it, it, it might be awkward for carrying around. But, you know, this could, I mean, if you want, this can just be a home console. And you don't ever take it out anywhere. Hmm. Like, it can do that. And I love the second screens on the DS. I thought the Wii U was an abomination. I, I never wanted to own a Wii U. And that's another part why I'm so excited about this. It's because those games I did care about, the games I wanted to play like Splatoon, I can play those properly now instead of having that stupid-ass gigantic controller. And well, two, screens, yeah, okay, keep two going. screens did not work on console. I, I, I don't think it worked at all. For the most part, and I'm certainly not going to bat for it, I certainly agree with you more than I, than I do not on that. I actually do feel a second screen element could have worked very well on a home console. I think they made the pad too clunky. And I think if you took a controller and put a, you know, maybe a screen that was a few inches, you know, you you wouldn't have as much real estate to use per se as like a five, five and a half inch or six inch screen. But if you had a higher resolution, and I know this costs dollars, I do feel that idea could work for certain things like a map function or plays. I know it sounds like I'm describing the VMU, but I do feel that concept could work. But I do agree with you on the Wii U. It wasn't executed properly. Uh, with that I, being I, said, I think the reason it works so well on, on DS was because the DS's screen was so small and the resolution was so, resolution was so low. So that... You having that second screen to have all those UI and map and stuff things on made sense and it worked. On TV, you have so many pixels to work with, so much space to work with that I don't like. I, I just I feel like the only use it has on on console is like okay, here's your item box or here's your map, and if that literally is the only reason you're using that second screen, then second screen shouldn't exist because you're not doing anything with it that's actually interesting. One exception to the rule, and I don't have a whole hell of a lot more exceptions, so this is kind of one and done. Super Mario 3D Maker. That game and was made for 
that type of experience. And I was actually thinking with, you know, they showed the Mario Kart for the Switch. They showed Splatoon. Now I'm starting to think, could they, I mean, could they do it? Of course. I mean, we had, you know, we had Mario Paint on the Super NES with the add-on mouse and no second screen. So I don't want to talk like an idiot. But, like, would they really bring, like, I felt Super Mario 3D Maker was totally going to their next console. Now, obviously, they're bringing it to 3DS, but I don't really see that going on Switch. Absolutely. Absolutely. The thing is, like, I totally, I mean, I think Mario Maker is a kind of game where it can benefit from having a stylus and touch stuff. But there's nothing about that game that you need to have a stylus for. Absolutely mm. nothing. You you pick your piece. You you move. You the D pad. You know, right, right, right. Sure. Left, and left, I'm not down, denying down, that. Down. Yeah, I don't want to say like it's an impossibility because we've we've seen home uh, uh, ports of simulation games and you know building games. It's, that's yeah. not unheard of. But I'm just saying that was really fine tuned. That was like one of the few games I felt on Wii U where that aspect actually complemented that setup. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, that was one of the few games I think where where you're like, okay, this screen makes sense. But but yeah. it it also is a situation where I think not having the screen doesn't ruin the experience. Real quick, uh, I'm getting these thoughts out. Not to be rude, it's just so I don't want to forget them. Did you see uh, the obviously the upcoming Wii U release list is you know pretty uh, slim Dead. pickings and bones. But you know what game was – and this was off a of European side. I think it was off Nintendo Life. I want to give the source on that. I think it was Nintendo Life. Do you know what game – I don't know if it was in their report that is still technically on board and not canned yet was Miyamoto's Project Giant Robot, which was shown at E3 2014. Wow. Now, I, now I am sure as hell not losing sleep over that or it's like not, telling yeah, everyone no way it's to watch. There's no way it's But coming that was still – it was listed. Yeah, I I just wanted to throw that out there. So that was kind of shocking. So I don't know what the deal with that is. Because I think that was shown with what was a Project Guard or whatever, which came with Star Fox. But Giant Robot, I dare say, was still hanging in there. But um, um, so, yeah. You know, you, you know oh, what's going to be funny? You know what's going to be really, really funny? Is that, okay, so when did the Wii U come out? It was fall of twenty. 12 because xb1 and ps3 were 13 they were one year after because they just hit three wii u is four yes so yeah november 2012 um february 2012 was the playstation vita and the playstation vita is going to outlast the wii u (laughs) in in both just hardware life and in terms of software support so that, I get to gloat about that. That's uh, so, okay. So, so Neo's question is, what do we think about the success of this console? Shoot, uh, knee-jerk reaction. Well, first of all, I thought I saw something today in an article. Their goal is first quarter 2017 to have 2 million units ready. Yes. So you got to figure, even if it's selling like hotcakes, you figure the first, uh, the initial sellout will be no more than 2 million right away. Which which is uh, is, is decently below both Xbox One and PS4. That's what I kind of figured without doing that homework. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Nintendo loyalists and purists are going to be right there. Like I said, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to eat my words and say never. Uh, I highly doubt I get it day one unless they show something in January that just makes me, my, me like flip over in my chair. Short answer, they will not have another original Wii success on their hands with this. 
No. I, yeah, there, no, no way it's going to be licensed. No way. I do licensed. have an idea on how to save Nintendo, and I'm going to share it here, but you, you go next. Well, I'm really torn on this because I, I think it's absolutely going to do better than the Wii U, or I hope it's going to do better than the I'll Wii U. I'll give you that. I will give. I will say it's either going to, which doesn't say much. It's either going to match it definitely. I I'll give you that. It's going to beat Wii U. I will give it that credit because you know. I mean, they're, Nintendo's saying that they're not going to kill off the. Okay, they're saying two things. They're not going to kill off the 3DS, and they're saying that this is not their their portable system. Yeah. Remember, remember when DS came out and they're like, no, no, no. DS is a third pillar. It's not our portable. We're still going to have Game Boy, and we're going to have DS at the same time. That was complete BS. Um, I think it's complete BS here. I, I think there's no way 3DS lasts that much longer. It, it can't. And like I, said, I was saying is that this is going to be Nintendo having all of their focus on one system. You don't Not, see an, I've read this angle, too. You don't see another 3DS-esque type device uh, no, within the next year, I, year and a half? I, well, so, okay. So here's the problem that comes in, and that's this is where I'm not sure, is because... So let's say, Anthony, that you have two kids, and and you buy a Switch, right? Mm-hmm. Whose Switch is that? Because let's say that your first son is going to his friend's house, and he wants to take the Switch with him because they're going to play Monster Hunter Switch. You know. I didn't think of this. Keep going. So he takes it with him. Now your second son comes home from school. He wants to play video games. He has nothing. The console, the console, quote unquote, is gone because your other kid took the handheld version of it or the handheld, you know, portion of it, and and skipped town. So, like, what do you do at that point? So the, the I like this. So, con- I, I like this conversation because I'm going to play along with your story and give you legit non funny answers, but then I'm going to counter you. Well, because okay, so so. Your, my thought is then you buy a second unit, right? You have mm-hmm. like two. And then that starts getting messy because, okay, who, who's who's buying the games? Where are the games going to? Because the games aren't going to the, the dock from what I know. Um, and then Nintendo has come out and said they're not selling the handheld unit by itself. Of course, because they're idiots, but keep, I'm just – throwing so, jabs at them so this so, is part this is part of the parts where and and just not to mention the battery which the the rumors about that are scaring me completely three hours yeah yes uh, and that that, that is that destroys that is this whole zero. idea yeah it's um okay so here but yeah so like yeah so so anthony as as dad who has two kids that want to play video games like what do you do at that point? You're thinking like Nintendo right now, and I think that's how they want you to think, and that's how they see this with Tunnel Vision. So I'm going to answer this within the Nintendo world, and then I'm going to back it out, and we're going to get back to reality. Okay. So that's a very good, that's a very good question. It's a tough question. Um, you know? Okay, yeah, you got to go buy two Switches, right? Which leads to a, the question of price, and this isn't where I'm going to count you. It has nothing to do with price, so it's like... You know, is this gonna thing gonna be affordable enough where mom and dad doesn't mind plunking it down? Do you have to allot X amount of time with each child with it? Um, it's a tough call, and I don't really have a straight answer for that. You know, and at the very least, if Nintendo, like if that is their train of thought, you figure you got to be able to at least share that account two or three times, kind of like how PlayStation lets one do it. 
I mean, you can't do this. Wait, stuff wait, 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 wait. You're talking Nintendo here. Are you remembering oh, that hey, fact? I'm with you. Oh, of course. Of the I fact that I, I, the, I'm trying I to be put, nice. I'm I put to be my, nice. I, I put my Nintendo account onto my work Wii U, and I now can't get it off. This is the company we're talking about. Oh, I'm right there with you. Uh, so here's the thing. It, that's a very valid and good question. I don't have a straight answer unless one is money bags. But here's my here's my turnaround question. The 3DS has done pretty well, right? I mean, it's certainly not the peak of Nintendo. It's not Game Boy. It's not Game Boy Advance or even DS. But it's done respectable. Like, I haven't checked the numbers lately, but let's say globally, and I'm sure a lot of us in Japan, we're probably at, what, 60, 70 million, maybe? 60 million? For right? 3DS? So, yeah. Uh, good question. I'll, I'll check. I'm not positive. I I'm going to say it's in. A, I'm going to say it's between about sixty, sixty-five. Go ahead. I'm done checking. So. But I don't see like I go to. I'm all over town. Uh, restaurants. Uh, now, when I say like sports bars, don't laugh because I'm not talking twenty-one and over. I'm talking like like bowling alleys that have bars. Like there's a lot of families and kids. Like fun centers. Like I live by a lot of that stuff that I go to see like sporting events and stuff. Uh, you know, let's coffee shops. I'm giving you a variety of areas that I go out and about. I rarely see anyone, any kid, modern day, playing on a Nintendo handheld. Right. And the point I'm trying to make is I'm not knocking Nintendo. Their handheld is fairly successful, even in this day and age with smartphones and competition. But with that being said... I rarely see it. like, but you remember how it was in the '90s? Like, you see, everyone had a Game Boy Pocket Color. You, they were everywhere. But the point is, is like going back to your point of the kids leaving, share or having to share or going over to their friend's house. Do you really see a lot of kids doing that with the Switch? Like over <laughs> well, there? Uh, no, I'm saying like over no. the ipad or the hand-me-down iphones or droids that their parents have given them to shut them up like no, that's, do you that's, really that's, that's the problem yes is is that thinking about me going out and it drives me crazy when i see it is that it literally is just these kids that do nothing but sit there and poke at ipads and poke at iphones and stuff like that so that would be like best case scenario if your two kids are like fighting over the switch that's yeah it, right but just the fact that like i so, feel like that that has that even been thought about you know so, but okay, but you saying that, you saying that, then says, how can Nintendo have another separate handheld? Like, the argument. Well, I still, in of, a weird way, I think, I still think another high end worthy 3DS like device that's backwards compatible could make a dent. But, but not, I feel not, this. Not high end, though. I don't know what to tell you. But, I mean, I have an answer. Like, I, I, I have think an you, answer I think for you, you have to go lower. I mean, I'm not mad. I'm not upset. At you. I'm, I just, I'm no. thinking about it. Like, I, it's. A, I think this is obviously what the suits and the bigwigs. This is what everyone's trying to figure out right now. You want to know what my idea for Nintendo is? I was. Hmm. It hit me. Uh, to, I thought of it before, and it hit me again today. And I know when I start questioning you and asking you these questions, that you're going to figure this out rather quickly. Would you not say, like retro gaming and nostalgia for our generation and some other people is kind of big right now, like? 
like there was just a big retro video game expo in Portland that did well. You'll see a lot of hardcore YouTube gamers covering it. It gets some coverage online. You know, like you, I, this is kind of weird, but like, you know, even like your Comic Cons, like there's a lot of gaming influence there and a lot of, you know, classic creators of yesteryear from Japan get of a lot, a lot of attention still. Um, there's still a, a want for classic games like SNES games are hot, priced rather high right now. You know, your Retron 5s of the world, I'm, I feel, do pretty well. I mean, do you feel these are fair statements? Like, there's yeah. there's an audience. There's an audience for it that can be profitable. Yeah. What if Nintendo kind of got back to their roots and offered a Retron 5 type device that looked awesome? They got the license from let's say other classic or companies to play other games as well as their own and then Nintendo uses that device for classic games to be played physically as well as some minor online functions for classic digital games kind of like the Wii U shop and two like I'm just you know two of the people they get signed on to do a lot of that work are the likes of like M2 or Hamster you know, and if they really wanted to go above and beyond, maybe offer like a, a CD drive with it. I know this sounds like ridiculous to play like classic Turbo, Sega CD games. Kind of take that world of emulation that people, obviously, a lot of people steal, but there's also a, a hardcore group of people that are looking into repro- repros, tracking down classic titles that are out there. So I would say they could take advantage of the used market digital download maybe do their own high quality repros for nintendo fans to get them excited and a cool looking system with a really good controller i think they'd have a hit i would love for that to happen but um as pb herman says you have a really big butt uh (laughs) <laughs> we just got evidence we literally just got evidence that they have no interest in that because the nes classic whatever it's called is 30 games on a piece of plastic that you have no other control over and that's not the way to do right i mean that's that's certainly not like, the way to, they, they are yeah. showing that that's that's what they're interested in not interested in doing it properly and you have nintendo which again i have to remind you there is no reason to ever believe they will ever get an online store system working properly. At least at this point, I have no. There's no reason to have faith that's, in them. That's the best idea I've got because they're taking. I would love that. I would love that. That's the best idea. They don't. They already have. Like you've got a rabid market. You could help. Like there are people who are so Nintendo drunk that they would help with repros or do stuff for free and give the money to Nintendo because they're dumb. Um, I mean, I see it. I think I don't know if it's out of the UK. Like the PCE works, or I'm on their mailing list. I haven't bought anything, but like, there are these people doing reproductions and stuff, like limited editions that look better than the originals from back in the day. Now, mind you, this is a real laser-sided group. But the thing is, I know if Nintendo did this, they've got the name, the marketing power. I mean, they could really have that explode. And let me let's be fair though, that's kind of what the Wii was. And what we saw with that was then once they got bored of it, they just moved on to something else and then just stopped putting effort into it. 
Well, I, um, agree. I can't argue that. I, so I went out, I went, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but I was literally, literally just heard this today. Um, I was listening to my friend, uh, Joe Negron, his smart wrestling fan podcast. Yes. And they were talking about the fact that a survey had gone around for WWE network about asking, would you be willing to pay fourteen ninety nine a month instead of nine ninety month nine ninety nine a month and get additional federations content oh, such as God. Ring of Honor and Impact Wrestling, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that idea becomes interesting because WWE would have to be the company to do that. Like no other mm-hmm. company could have the wrestling network because WWE is the big dog in that. So You're trying to make me scream twice on this show. <laughs> yes. Uh, so if WWE did it, they could re- realistically bring together all these other federations, especially because they already own WCW footage, they own, EC- they own ECW footage, all that stuff. So why I'm saying that is Nintendo is the only one who can do what you just said because the moment you don't have Nintendo in the equation – you are missing such a gigantic chunk of retro gaming that it's not worth it. At least in terms of if you're talking 8-bit and 16-bit. Obviously, 32-bit becomes a whole different story. But um, Nintendo is the only company to do it. So I think if anybody's going to do that idea, it has to be them. But I do not think they have the interest, the drive, or the actual consumer savvy in terms of what people want to do that kind of console. So I think realistically, I think what we have to look at realistically is this. They're not going to release a, a console to compete with the Switch. That's never going to happen. The only possible thing they could do is release a handheld to compete with the Switch in order to get a very cheaply priced, kid-friendly handheld out there on the market. Because the Switch is going to be Expensive because you can't buy it solo. Expensive just in general. It's high tech. And like you were saying earlier, you can't just throw it into a bag and be done with it. So I think the only option they have, if they're going to have any kind of secondary hardware, is a very cheap, very low-end, very kid, young, gamer-friendly handheld. That's the only other option. They will never release, like you were wanting, a higher-powered, like, 3DS or anything, because then that directly competes with the Switch. Mm. I think that's the only thing. And I I don't even know that they're going to do that. And it's it's weird, because Nintendo might be giving up that that cheap kids' market. Unless they're going to keep the Is that what kids even want anymore? But that's the question. That's right. You're right. Is that what kids even want? They're on there looking for... I know. Kids are dummies. I've given up on kids in terms of video gaming. It's so sad. Not all kids. Not all kids, but a lot of kids. They're tapping at a screen, and like their one-tapping action is the only thing that they care about. Can I say something real quick on WWE real quick? (laughs) Sure. Let me tell you something about them. (laughs) I guarantee you because they're so corporate and paranoid that once they heard that Flow Sports app was coming out getting federations from Japan, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, ROH, etc., 
that I guarantee you all those stooges in Titan Tower got on the phone and called those companies to try and get them on board for WWE Network because they didn't think of it first and they don't want any sort of competition. So I would be more than happy to give Flow Sports whatever money they need each month for me to run that app on Apple TV or Roku device just to shove it up Vince's ass. But don't me, so, but don't you think that I mean that I hate WWE. I can't okay. stand from <laughs> the I hatred hate, aside. I like the talent. I like the talent. I like the talent and I I understand that they are they have so much terrible content right now and they still have some good stuff. I'm not going to say it's all garbage. They have such an oversaturation of shit television that if I wasn't a wrestling fan already, I don't know how anyone would get like it's embarrassing enough to be a wrestling fan. I don't know how you get someone into wrestling right now. It's just Yes, uh, but okay, please, but God. I mean, putting that aside, I, I think I think you have to admit that they are the only company that could properly do. Because, like I said, they they you you get WWE, WCW, ECW, then indie stuff. I think they're the only one. Who That's enough. Do. I don't want them. I don't want them getting some. All the, <laughs> then I gotta watch their shit, and then they're, and they're gonna be yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't get, know what the they, deal they is. Have, I don't know how NXT, out of line I can get on NXT. this show, but I don't. Yeah, NXT's not bad. You know what? And here's the problem. You want to know what the problem with NXT is right now? And it's not even NXT's fault. WWE has so much content that for the first time in like a year, year and a half, I haven't watched NXT in a month. And it's not because I don't like NXT. They've got too much shit. Hmm. They're doing the two pay-per-views now. There's the NXT special coming up, like the third week of November. You got Hell in the Cell this weekend. You got Well, yeah, yeah, because there's, there's like every two weeks there's like a... The oh, my God. ...preview now. And I mean, you would think this was like riveting, te- must-see TV. It's not. And then they keep hiring these guys off the indie scene. So, like, they've all got that scraggly beard, bald head. <laughs> no, ca- no, like, they all, like, with the Wyatts, it looks like it works with the Wyatts. And, like, I've seen some of those guys in the indies. The one with the dark hair, I can't remember his name. He's actually a really good worker. He used to work in Dragon Gate, USA. But, like... All these other guys coming in are like these hairy, bald slobs working that indie style. And it's like, what are you going to like – what are you going to do? Like we've already got the guys like – I tell you what I love is I don't know how he did it. But Kota Ibushi has not signed a full deal yet with WWE and he's back working in Japan as well. He will be in that Dusty Rhodes Classic tournament teaming up with TJ Perkins. But I don't know if you know this, but he's also currently Tiger Mask W in New Japan. Hmm. I don't know how that guy hasn't had a heart attack and dropped dead from all the flights, but he's doing Tiger Mask W. They've got an anime, which is now being subtitled on Crunchyroll. And he's also back working. Uh, he signed, you know, he does like these, uh, not like one shots, but he's going to be in that dusty tournament for a couple weeks being taped, and he's going back to New Japan. And I know that burned Triple H's ass because originally they wanted either him or Zack Sabre Jr. to win that classic, the CWC this past summer. And, and I have to admit, I was shocked. Neither guy officially signed, and that's kind of why they did the tournament. That's why TJ Perkins won. Because the two guys, the one of the two that they wanted to win the tournament, neither of them signed. Hmm. But anyway, I'm done with that. And Kota yes. Bush is a phenomenal talent, by the way. But uh, anyway, that I, you just really hit a nerve there, and I'm our sick viewers, of... Our, our listeners d- are changing the channel oh, now. I actually yeah, good. Adios. So. I'm done with that rant. Tell Joe Negron to to tweet me and I'll put him in his place. <laughs> no, 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 he was just, he was saying that, that he he I saw know. the uh, the survey that went out. Yeah, and and WWE was asking people what they thought about that. So, 
But, so switch. So let's switch. Final, you, final you think question, it's dumb? I'm excited about it. Um, final question on the switch before we move on from the switch. Okay. Price. How much is the? Uh, it's got to be two ninety nine, right? That's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. I mean, That's you would, what I'm you would thinking say. Too. You would say two forty nine would be the best place to start. Yeah, I agree. You're right on the same page as me. But and you can't go above two ninety nine because now you're into PS4 Pro and Xbox Scorp, whatever the hell it is territory. Well, at that point, they're 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 pushing. I mean, they're they are right there next to cause Xbox One. That's I mean, that's two ninety nine regularly now, right? You can. Yeah, I think you can get Xbox fatties for as low as like two fi- like two fifty, and even PS4 what, deals. I'm just saying, say, I, I can look. There's uh, the name your own game bundle where you get the Xbox One, five hundred gigabyte console, and then one game of your choice for for two fifty nine. There's also the Gears of War version for two thirty eight. So even at two ninety nine, that's that's not I agree. the territory they necessarily want to be in. Well, you know what's funny to me, and I, lo- you know, I, you and I both love the 3DS. You know what's shocking to me is I dare say retail on a new 3DS is still like two thirty. That's twenty bucks shy of a modern day, you know, console. It's it's ridiculous. Like some with them, something it's cost at this point. Yeah, because I was looking at I don't remember what it was recently, but there was something I was looking at, and I was like, I cannot believe it still cost that much. <laughs> well, let let me ask you this. Uh, yeah, not to be pessimistic. One ninety nine for the new the the new three DS XL. So maybe it came down twenty bucks. But let me ask you this: my famous question to you. Let's say the Switch doesn't do well. Okay, let's say it does like the Wii U or not much better. Do you think Nintendo does it again after the Switch, or do they finally? Do they finally? Go third party and start making money and not worrying about the shit hardware they've put out the last 15 years because it sucks. That's I mean, that's the thing is, is Nintendo is that company that it's, they could they could be the biggest third party out there. You know, I like, I was telling someone in private, I don't know what the royalties or fees are. I mean, you ready for this other grand idea I've got? If I were Microsoft or Sony, let's say Microsoft, because they've got the money talks and bullshit walks. They've got the deepest pockets, right? And Xbox still hasn't been killed off that division. They've still got it going. I, I would literally approach Nintendo, and I would go, look, your name value is so strong. You still make some of the best games. You come third party, you put some titles on, like, and I'm, t- I'm not talking some reworked, like, this Super Mario run where we're using the same assets and trying to milk <laughs> it for another dollar. I'm talking, you give us, like, the real new 3D Super Mario, right? Like, kind of like the work they did with Super Mario 3D World. Like, we're talking all brand new, we'll help fund it. And not even charge them the royalties or fees or rights or whatever it is to get it on the console, wave all that shit. And let them put and because here's the thing, even though Microsoft would be losing money from Nintendo in that respect and giving Nintendo free reign, uh, Molly, if Microsoft came out tomorrow and said, "We've got Nintendo, uh, we, we don't own them. We ha- let's say we have them on a 
six-game deal. And you're getting the real deal Mario. You're getting Zelda Breath of the Wild. And Nintendo just gets the profit. How many Xboxes would sell? Like, And that's where they would make the money, Microsoft. Like, for, right. like just to get people to get that system and make it free for Nintendo to do the work and help them. How many Xboxes would sell? Or PlayStation 4s? It would be crazy. Or even say, like... I, until I would you give sell them like, a free ride. I would say until you sell like X million copies of the game, oh, like we're not going to take any royalty off of it. I, you could even make that number. You could even say like minimum five to eight, like that Mario Kart number. Because here's the thing. You're selling eight million on a 13 million console. We've got install bases of, you know, PS4 is going to be cracking 50 soon. Everybody, everybody's going to pack in Mario. Oh my god. I mean it would be <laughs> it would sell. They would sell so many systems just based off that. Or Smash Brothers. It's getting Splatoon on there with proper online. I mean, holy Christ. It would be that's it. But they could do but what then, they do. Okay, best. but the, I think the argument then is is are Nintendo games not special anymore? No, they are. You know you know what? I'm gonna be quick to answer that. They are. You know why? Uh because we still have many world war based games cinematic driven adventures we have a we have fragmented games wait and nintendo to their credit doesn't work like that even though there's a lot of rehash and sequelitis with their brands and titles they're still very just like what i was saying with the wii u earlier I, I, they had some of the best games in the last five years it's just on the wrong system with the wrong controller input if you put that on there with Xbox and PlayStation controls, you've got proper online, and you know they would be treated like kings. Done deal. Done deal. That's exactly the that is exactly the offer I would make them. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's the question: is is if this console fails, like how many failures can they have? This is it. I mean, like, the, the question is like, okay, but the question though is like, what is the failure to them? You know, because I mean, it's like, how much money goes into R and D versus how much do they make profit wise on the hardware and software over time? That's that's the big question, because even if they don't have any third party stuff, if their games are still selling, like if you have Mario Kart still selling eight million copies on this this system that supposedly nobody has, you right. know, like maybe it's worth it to them just to keep doing that over and over until it's run into the ground this statistic I that I tell people you tell me if I'm outdated with this train of thought one of the reasons Nintendo's able to get away with this for a little while is because they deal in the black they don't deal in the red or pretty much uh, their cash reserves and they don't have carry any debts is that correct yeah, yeah. I they, thought that, they, they, I mean, they don't have like Apple money in the bank, but they have a lot of money in the bank. Sure, they're not, of course, but they're, but they're still not dealing in, like for example, Sony. I dare say they deal, they have some debts and overhead, but Nintendo does not. Yeah, I don't believe so. Yeah, that's. So I mean, it comes down to that too. As a business person, it comes down to that. Like we don't know exactly what they've got in the bank, but I'm, there's got to be a money man sitting there, you know, looking at all this and weighing the positives and negatives. Um. It's kind of got to be as simple as that, but how many? But we don't know how many uh, chances they've got left. I mean, it's kind of funny because 
the what is it? The Virtual Boy was kind of their first hiccup, their mess up, and it was kind of like, ooh, you know, no one had really seen Nintendo fail because Sega kind of had that uh, designation. And then N64 did pretty well, but Sony, you know, that's when Sony came about and really moved to the forefront. And then, like, GameCube didn't do too well. And now it's kind of like, if you really think about it, and throughout the annals of gaming history, you know, Wii was their success, but, quote, died overnight after year three. You know, they've had more lukewarm slash failures than mega hits right now. Well, no, I mean, I don't know if you've ever actually seen the chart, but if you look, and this is just talking, like, home consoles, um, since the NES, every every console since then, except for the Wii, has sold less than the previous console. Mm. Like, it has been a downward slope. The Wii was the only exception. Otherwise, it has been a complete downward slope from the NES on. Hmm. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Let me ask you this: How? What? What are the feelings of your coworkers and the people you interact with in in the gaming community? Because you're a lot more entrenched in it than I am. Where I am, has have you heard positive things or people getting excited for the Switch? Um, I've I've heard both. You know, I've yeah. I've heard that uh, some people that are excited by it, and some people that are like, hmm. You know, I don't know. So, but I think, I feel like it is um, more exciting than the Wii U was. Yes. What? Even though I've explained my piece on what I felt, I don't disagree with that. Even though I've gotten done saying there's certain elements I already hate and I want to smash it. But in terms of the reception and stuff so far, I will I will give you that it's it is more exciting. But I don't know how that's going to pan out in finalized execution come March or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah, I and like I that, oh, I mean sorry. like what I mean just real quick, what do you think about it being after the holidays? Like I think I was going to ask that too because you know I just got done timing. saying to a friend you know I was saying that um, you know these these days. That doesn't matter as much anymore. I, I still feel the only time of year that's kind of a downtime still is summer. Uh, this is so weird, but, you know, with the likes of Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto, those major AAA blockbusters, which have scared away certain releases till first quarter. Uh, you know, we have seen system launches in uh, spring, everything from Vita to 3DS. Um, I'm sure there's other consoles I'm forgetting, but, you know, Sony and Microsoft still have done holiday season. You know, a PC me is kind of like, you know, they can get away with that now because there's so many electronics devices releasing throughout the year from Apple, Droid. It really doesn't matter. But, but, with all of the questions surrounding this, and you do have VR out now, we know Scorpio is coming next holiday. You know, would have it been smarter to just kind of magically squeeze this up three months? or four and get it out now to you know what i mean i'm kind of i don't know if that's where you're headed but i'm kind of with you on that if that's where you're headed i mean honestly do you want my gut reaction when i heard that their next uh presentation was in january do you want to know what the first thing i thought it was hmm. i'm going to be so quote full after christmas <laughs> and gamed out and right. like resident evil 70 like 
when January comes, like my train of thought is I got tax season, I got bills I got to wrap up, like we just got done with holiday spending, and I really don't get back into the swing of things really until like late spring, summer. And, you know, that's kind of the, you know, you know how it is as a gamer, January and February, and, and by the way, February in 2017 is loaded. Yes, it is. Like At this, at this uh, point, like I think in gaming wise, we're not going to have like Q1s that aren't having a big game. Yeah, so and now it's like after getting stuffed with all that and then like Marchish or April comes the switch. God. But I, I, I do think though that you could see it in the way of um they maybe aren't expecting to have too many consoles ready to go at start. They're not gonna have a bunch of games. So if they launch it in spring kind of let it slowly build and then that first holiday is when they really push it they'll have enough big games and you know um people will be wanting something new and so then then who and that, so that maybe, competition maybe is gonna was, be nasty may, yeah it's gonna be nasty but maybe that was they didn't do maybe maybe they didn't want to compete with the like psvr for example and stuff right so anyway you want to get to our world famous question here uh, we're about we are one hour flat into Generic Video Game Podcast, episode 21. Sure. Um, so um, we have somewhere here another email. And this is from, as I open it, uh, this is from Aaron. And he says, hey, team. So the other day, to kill some time, my friends and I did a personal top 10 games based on how much we loved them, not time spent. Basically, got a list. Um, and had a lot of fun discussing and thinking out loud what makes the cut. Inevitably, we had different lists, but one thing was consistent. Nothing new. The newest game on my... The newest game was on my list, uh, Xenoblade, on the Wii at number 7. A majority of these games were in 1994-1998 era, few going into the new millennia. This got me wondering, have the changes in games made them more difficult to connect with in all the new noise, online functionality, DLC, day one patches, extensive preview coverage, YouTube, Twitch streaming, etc.? Or as we get older, is it harder to let a game really resonate? I'm going to tell you right now, it's that second one. It's because you're older. Um, or are we simply inclined to enjoy what we grew up on? Yes, that's that. Uh, is less more in the right hands? I really wonder if it's better for developers to have significant restraints in graphics or sound to challenge them to be more imaginative and creative rather than chasing photorealistic sights and sounds. I want to be clear that uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with this, but I feel like gameplay can suffer as more resources are put towards making a game simply look good. Uh, Just for fun, my top 10 was in order. Uh, So 10 was Super Mario Brothers. Final Fantasy Ten, Metal Gear Solid Three, Xenoblade, Metal Gear Solid, Mario Sixty Four, Final Fantasy Three or Slash Six Three as it was originally called Six, which it actually is, Warcraft Three, Smash Melee, and Final Fantasy Seven, uh, Half Life One and Two, Diablo One and Two, Chrono Trigger, and the Portals were also very popular with my friends. Would love to hear your guys' thoughts. I'm sorry if top 10 lists are cliche, but I thought it might lead into an interesting discussion. I really hope this finds you well and look forward to the next episode, Aaron. Uh, so I do think part of it's what you grew up on. You know, I mean, for a long, long time, I, I, I would have told you that the NES was the best console ever. Uh, but when you look back at it, like, 
you realize that there weren't that many games that were super super amazing you know and it was more that it was a console for me that was bringing me game experience that had never existed before and it was the first i mean you know there was atari 2600 200 200 vision and television everything but the nes was kind of the the first singular console that everybody gathered around you know and and had and knew and traded games on and stuff um and i do think and anthony of course you can answer in a second uh i do think there is something to a simpler game and that's why i fell in love with the the ds the way i did was because it kind of felt like that nes era where you could have games that were you know button one attack button two jump and that's it um that it wasn't about the graphics or the complexity or the the realism or anything it was just making a fun game that could be simpler but also still really engrossing what do you think yeah um well, I think my list is the only correct list. Let's start with that. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, furthermore, I want to thank Aaron for the uh, letter. Love new fans. Love getting fan mail. Uh, makes uh, he, he, he actually is, he, he is not a new fan. He did email before, just to let you know. Oh, okay. But but his previous email was, was all about me and glowing words about me, so that's why you probably didn't remember. <laughs> You're like, ah, eh, whatever. Touche. Touche. Yes. So want to thank Aaron. Uh, it's a great question. Uh, I always love the fan interaction because it's give, it gives us talking points. It gives us something fresh, something that the listener truly wants to hear. Uh, with that being said, on the NES uh, piece, not that I can't think for myself, it triggers my memory. This was years ago. I had a private conversation with Mr. Nick Rocks. God, this must have been like four years ago, five years ago. And I kind of put him on the spot one day and I said, okay, I'm like, you got to choose. I'm like, NES or Super NES? Because I'm like, you know, Super NES won the greatest. Like, I felt that was the greatest Nintendo console. Here we of all go. Time. Here we and- go. <laughs> all right. No, it's set- not a. Finish your statement. <laughs> and ultimately, I'm paraphrasing. This isn't verbatim. He went with the NES. But is that what you were expecting, by the way? Because he's smart. Yes. But continue. Well, okay. Okay. But the interesting piece was the reason he gave NES so much credit, if I remember correctly, was that he felt that kind of get, that gave all of like like the third parties and and people in the world of gaming at that time, you know, after it, you know, kind of gave that resurgence and saved it. He essentially said they gave them the blueprint, and uh, and if I remember correctly, it was like a blueprint in terms of like not just like we're not talking just like the games themselves or gaming in that respect, but we're talking like just the the way they handle themselves, like whether it be from a packaging standpoint or um, like marketing, it was a combination of things. It wasn't just solely um, uh, restricted to the actual games themselves and obviously that playing a big part as well. So he kind of felt that each generation thereafter or copycats or what have you, the blueprint for essentially like the entirety of gaming from that point on essentially was was given by NES. Right. To which I'm I mean, sure yeah. I probably still I probably still voiced uh, uh, that <laughs> I still felt the Super NES was their greatest moment. But I always think of that to this day, his answer on that from that perspective. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I respect that answer and it makes complete – it's very logical and makes sense. Well, I mean because it's funny so because it, it's, it, if, you, if you think about like the Atari and the ClecoVision and everything, like that really did help create uh, uh, the ground level of gaming. But – 
Right. Those games were so far from where games would become in like the 8-bit and 16-bit era. You know? Right. And it was graphics. It's funny enough. It, graphics were the thing that really changed things. And so, yeah, I mean, the NES felt like a... I mean, you, of course, you had had arcades. So you can't say it was a new experience. But in terms of consoles, like that was where like consoles kind of got serious and real. Right. But, okay, Super Nintendo is one of the most overrated systems ever created. So... And you know, and here's the thing. I, I say this every time we get on this topic. I will be the first to tell you I'm a huge Sega junkie, Sega fanatic, uh, and as a whole, I I love Sega, and I still cry myself to sleep that they're not what they were in the '90s and how Dreamcast ended. So, but I would still put on my list for some of the top experiences and what it could do with its architecture. I have to put Super NES on that. Uh, it is up there for me. I could name I could Sega name loyalist. you every Super Nintendo game I loved, and I could not get to ten. I mean, here. Well, you know what's funny? Before I give anything away on my actual top ten, I've only got one SNES game. Hmm. But I still. But but here's. The, but let me say this before we go on. Not cheating, but I was so thrilled with this topic because I'd done so much of the work already. And I have to give a special thank you to Neil, uh, who we had on our last episode of the Double Plus Good Games podcast. Uh, we, on our old show, the summer of 2011, we did a top 50. And as you people can imagine, that episode took about 19 million hours to do. And we, I found all of the text from that. It was all typed up, all my notes. I had everything labeled and... So I had a really good guide. So when this episode goes up, when we're done and I send Molly my audio file, I'm also going to send her my old list for one to reference. So you could see what I said at that time. It's a top 50. Also coinciding with it will be about 30 to 35 honorable mentions. And uh, so you can reference that. Now, my top 10 I have here today is strikingly similar, nearly identical to that top 10. But I do promise that I had to rethink it. Uh, I mixed a couple of them up. I added one into the top 10 that wasn't in there originally. I've had some different thoughts because I've done a lot more classic gaming since then to refresh my memory. Uh, But there are so many honorable mentions. Also, I tried not to double up too much. So what I mean by that is, for example, I'm going to tell you one game that's not my top 10. It's Street Fighter 2. Now, should it be in the top 10? Absolutely. Why is it not? Because I have a couple other fighting games for me that, that hit me like... Um, just for my own personal experience and how it transcended, like, for me as a gamer, it was kind of like maybe a peak or pivotal point. But, like, if we were doing, and I kind of said this with Double Plus Good Games at the time, but if we were doing a top 10 games of all time in terms of, like, benchmarks, setting the blueprint, um, and going from there, then games like Tetris, games like Street Fighter Two, games like Pac-Man would definitely be in my top 10. Uh, none of those titles will be in this. Uh, just because of the twist on this, whether it be due to memories, experience, and having to choose one. So I, I feel it's really important to get that preface out there. So with that being said, how do you want to do this? Do you want me to like I rapid want you to do fire? Your, into I want you to do your, your list first. Okay. Your full list first. Uh, number 10, Streets of Rage 2. Ah, good choice. Uh, do you want me to just go from there, and then if you've got questions at the end, I guess you can ask. So, I mean, if you have if you have quick comments, see, I, I want you to go first because I don't want the way I did my list to in, in impact okay. the way you did your list. 
So um, streets are no, okay. Streets are amazing. It's fun. It's so funny because like that. That to me is one of the, the big examples of like the Genesis Super Nintendo War. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Final Fight came out to Super Nintendo and it was, like, one player only and Guy was missing, which was really weird. And then Genesis is like, hey, look, we can have a fighting game with, or, you know, beat him up with three characters and two players at once. And then the first game was great, but second game was just amazing. Now I'm going to give you an asterisk, an example of a title that could arguably be in here, but I chose Streets of Rage 2. I chose Streets of Rage 2 for its technical merits, being on Genesis at home, and having actually played it later in life. I didn't own it at the time. I owned the original. I played the original 1, 2, Death. Now, due to money and being younger and all that kind of stuff, I didn't get to own 2 at the time, but having played it now multiple times since then, uh, I can appreciate it and understand the impact it made at that time. It's one of those games that if I could go back in time and know what I know now, that Streets of Rage 2 would have totally... Excuse me, been a day one purchase. Now, with that being said on Final Fight, the arcade version of Final Fight, if you look at it right now, this is my opinion, not only is that a fantastic title, I believe, in my opinion, it's one of the most gracefully aged games of all time. Oh, sure. The ninth. I mean, I can't believe looking at the animation and the, the color palette, the size of the sprites... You're right. Like at home, Streets of Rage 2 beat Final Fight, pre- I mean, pretty much hands down. But when you look at the arcade board and like when it was made, like that game stands the test of time. So, okay, so Streets of Rage 2, number nine, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Ah, great game. Number eight, Panzer Dragoon. Great Not memories bad. on that. Not bad. Um, I. A lot of fond memories of that. It's a title where Saturn didn't have much out at launch. I got it like a month or two in, and I just loved it. Rail shooter. I love the look. Um, I just love the design. The soundtrack was one of my favorite, if not favorite, gaming soundtracks of all time. A lot of great memories with that title. I didn't think that's Number like one. Of the, I know that's one of the games like kind of the harbinger of. Um... Sega becoming this really creative and different company in terms of their gaming output. You know, they they done some interesting stuff on Genesis, but I think a lot of it was kind of we need a Final Fight, you know, we need a Mario, we needed this or that. Um, but Saturn was really where they started getting into like here's Burning Rangers, here's Knights, right. here's Panzer, you know, Dragoon. Uh, and that's really where you, we started to see kind of leading into the heyday of just Sega creativity. Right. Number seven, Zone of the Ender's second runner. Mm. Uh, blown away by that at the time on PS2. I've probably said this before in the show or somewhere else. The first uh, first game, excuse me, which I'd gone obviously gone through. I always felt that the concept and like the foundation of that game was there with the original Zone of the Enders. There were some things I didn't like, such as lack of enemy variety, uh, whiny, but Leo. Um, just but the but here's the thing: the actual control of the Jahuti and the options, and I felt that they had more time with that game. It could be something special, and Second Runner did that. I mean, wow! I mean, just fantastic looking title played great um i love the anime cutscenes in there because i think the first one you cg uh sequences 
second one was great. I think you can get it on the cheap for PS3, which originally got panned a little bit due to the conversion and some of uh, it needed to be patched. But I think it's like ten or twelve bucks. You can get the Zone of the Enders pack. Totally worth it. Hmm. Uh, number six, uh, I had to pick one, and I picked Metal Gear Solid Four: Guns of oh. the Patriots. Uh, my reasoning for that. Uh, is because while it wasn't the one that really put Metal Gear on the map and blew up that genre and series, I picked 4 because when I went through that, I felt Metal Gear Solid 4 really brought aspects of each Metal Gear to each of its respective chapters. And it really made you feel like when that game was done, it could have really finally been done for the most part at that time. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, you can never tie up all the loose ends in that series. But, like, when Metal Gear Solid 4 was done, I thought it looked great. I thought it was one of the few, if only, PlayStation 3 titles that was like, wow, like this is an exclusive to be proud of. And you know, it's so funny. To this day, it's shocking that after all of the games that were said to have either been PS3 exclusive or, or Xbox 360 exclusive and wound up going to the other console, Metal Gear Solid 4 really stayed <laughs> on PlayStation 3. Like that, Like that's amazing. Like looking back at history now... Because everything wound up leaving. You know what I mean? Yeah. MGS4 stayed. So, uh, great title. Number five. Uh, I picked one from this series, and I'll explain a little bit why I picked this one in particular. Virtua Fighter 4, the arcade hmm. version. Uh, I got to play VF4 in downtown Portland when it first came out. I was very excited at a now defunct, no longer there, um, arcade room called Tilt, which was at the Lloyd Center Mall. And, uh, it was oh a God! Good yeah, we we, we had a, we had a tilt at our local mall at home. Oh, I didn't. Oh no, sh- I didn't know it was. Uh, I think it might be. I think it might have been a, a wow. chain, possibly. Wow. But uh, the interesting thing with VF4 is that there was a home version, obviously on PS2, which I wound up importing, and then they did like Final Showdown or whatever. Fantastic title! Like if you remember, got great scores at home on PS2, and it was a great game. But you know, being a snob. Having played the arcade version, if anyone out there listening actually played the VF4 arcade version, and while not like huge differences, there were some visual differences. And like some of the stupid stuff I can bring up now is like so, you're, it's like who cares because we're so beyond this now. But like right. everything from the excessive snow deformation to I think it was Jackie stage with the helicopter coming up with the spotlight aiming towards you. Like the effect was, I have to, was superior in the arcade. So like, there's like little things like that. Uh, less jaggies at the time. The character models look fantastic in the arcade, and I dare say that was the last Virtua Fighter worked on with Yu Suzuki. Uh, although Virtua Fighter Five was fantastic, by the way. But VF4, uh, I wanted to give a special shout out, though the one that many people probably most fondly remember. Uh, and had the most hype was probably VF2, which was yeah. As I was say, v- VF2 is the one that I mean I spent the most time on. Yeah. Which isn't it, isn't it but, funny that like I think some of the biggest fighting game hits were like the second version because you had Street Fighter 2, you had Mortal Kombat 2, Virtua Fighter yes. 2, it's like all these games yep. that are kind of like uh, Dead or Alive 2. I think was one of the bigger ones. That was um, yeah, on Dreamcast. That was amazing. It's like it's like the the first game comes out and kind of sets the stage. And you're like, ah, this is kind of interesting. But then the second one is where, like, okay, that you get enough refinements, enough new characters, everything, where it just really hits and and you know finds that that fan base. Yeah, yeah. So lo- love that series. I'd love to see uh, a VF six someday. 
Uh, I still think, arguably, especially for 3D fighters, even though I, you know, even though I enjoy, I love the characters in Tekken. I've said this before. I love the style, and there's certain things about Tekken I do really like. Oh. But when it just comes down to the, but when it comes down to the gameplay aspect, Virtua Fighter is, it's it's tough to beat. Um, number four, Super Mario World, Super NES. I mean, I've probably gone on about this game in the past. If I had to pick one Mario, it was very tough. You know, Super Mario 64 was certainly a benchmark as well on N64 for 3D gaming. That certainly deserves a top spot in anyone's list. But just for picking one uh, for this list, I'm going to go with Super Mario World. Uh, great level design. Love the sprite work. The A lot of the irony in this, uh, having ranked so high not only on my list but many gamers' lists, is that Super Mario World was a launch title. It was a pack-in. So it's amazing that when it was all said and done with SNES that that game still ranked so high, if not the highest. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because I, I didn't, I didn't oh, get sorry. my uh, Super NES until later. And I, f- I feel like I got it like in the winter because I feel like I was like indoors because it was like really snowy out. And that was just one of those like perfect games just to spend hours and hours <laughs> with. I miss those. Uh, I miss those times. I miss those days. I had a Christmas like that with the original Tomb Raider, but uh, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I, it's been so long since I've had those feelings or those moments that like, you know, I don't even remember what that's like. But I remember like doing that during summertime or like winter break when you were off for like seven to ten days. It was like the greatest thing, like being a vegetable in front of the TV and just gaming, like. You'd game, 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 maybe go outside for a few minutes, get something to eat, take a break, and just go right back to it. Yep. Um, Which is actually one of the reasons, I don't want to give it away, which is actually one of the reasons why my number one probably ranks this high now that I say that, because it's Mm. more modern day, and it gave me those, it made me want to play like that. Uh, Number three, Resident Evil 4. Great pick. Uh, I I would give that game game of the year of a year if I could. Uh, such a phenomenal experience. I went back and forth with Neil on the phone. It was such a crazy way to play it. We both we were both playing it on GameCube. He was playing it at his house. I'm playing at mine. And I swear we were on the phone every like 45 minutes. Like, oh my God, did you get past this part yet? Did you, could you believe how they swerved you at this part? And we literally went through the whole experience like that. Like two little schoolgirls for the entirety of that game. And we were just bl- like, we were so blown away because we're like, oh my God, this is going to happen next. And we were wrong. And we couldn't believe how they were able to still surprise us uh, after all these years with a game, after having think you know thought that we'd seen everything. Uh, Resident Evil Four, I'd gone through the GameCube version and had also completed the place the the um, inferior but still fun PlayStation Two version as well. So uh, fantastic title. Yeah, I borrowed a, I borrowed a copy from a friend because I had. So I had a, a GameCube. I think I only had it for like Metroid, and Animal Crossing, maybe one or two other games. Um, and I mean, I loved the Resident Evil series, but that was like one of those games that when it came out, you're like, man, this looks really different and I don't know if I'm going to like it or not. Um, so I brought it from a friend and then it's one of those times, like there's been a few times I've done this, where I played and beat the entire game and then I went out and bought my own copy. Wow. Because I'm like, I have to own this game. Yeah, that's a testament to how great that game was. And I know we could say this to we're blue in the face, and I'm sure we've said this on the show before, but like this is truly one of those games where unless you 
unless you were a gamer and like saw the evolution of gaming and experienced this when it was fresh before it got copied, it's tough to realize or understand the importance of it and how much it influenced more modern day games since then. Because if you go back to it now after having played other shooting, you know, third person or even some first person shooters, like you you can never feel or relive that type of experience we had when this was fresh. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, number two, this is more from a fanboy perspective. And I just, I, I still remember when the pre-order page went up on buy right. I mean, I was freaking out. I was so excited. <laughs> I was so like, I couldn't wait to pick up the phone and just hear that silly recording so I could imitate it. <laughs> like the excitement. And do you know who I'm talking about that? It like, it would be like pre-order now at buy right. Like, the pinnacle of 2D gaming. You don't want to miss this arcade perfect experience at home. And remember, if you're not buying from buy right, you're not buying right. So I couldn't wait. Capcom versus SNK. Oh, uh, Millennium yeah. Fight 2000. I tell you, I mean, if you if you grew up and like many of our fans have like through that whole fighting game here, this is where it comes to the point where I said why Street Fighter Two isn't on my list. Like if we had to pick one in the annals of gaming time, like uh, talk about a template or setting the tone or giving, you know, to to bust open that to that perfect that genre, Street Fighter Two goes on the list over Capcom S and K. You know what I mean? Like Street Fighter Two is is sure that's one of those defining moments in gaming. But for myself and after having lived that decade and played so many fighting games at the arcade, playing so many home versions, and literally, like, that's the time when I still had that excitement in me uh, where I was, you know, counting the days for a release and, like, couldn't wait for the FedEx to come to the door. Capcom no, I mean, versus I mean, SNK. For, for people like you and me, like, that was, that was, like, the Berlin Wall coming down. Yes. That was a mind-blowing, like, just landscape-changing experience. Because, I mean, you know, for, I think said for both of us, there was <clears throat> Nintendo versus Sega, there was Capcom versus SNK, and there was, uh, in a way, Sega Arcade versus Namco. Like, those were, like, yes. three of the Ex- bigger yes. rivalries out there. Yes. And there was never, like... There was never a chance that like Capcom and SNK were ever going to work together because they they were like rivals. Like one company would do one thing, another company would have an answer for it, and back and forth. Like these days, you can't imagine that because Capcom's like fighting game thing is just this you know Street Fighter Five limping along, and SNK is like SNK who you know um, right. But for people like us who were back there in that day, like that was that was WWE versus WCW. That was Freddy versus Jason. You know, that was just one of the most ultimate crossovers, Marvel versus DC, that you could ever have. You know, and I said, I know I've said this before, and I'm going to repeat myself as a fan from afar. Like, and it's kind of like it was coming to the end of an era of like the popularity, like the height of print magazines. You know, this is one of those games that I regret that the, when I say like the original team, I'm talking like your era of the original game fan. I was like, <laughs> this is going to sound so like fanboyish or silly. I wished like you, Nick Rocks, Casey, like 
I wish that crew was together to like cover this like that year or this moment in gaming. But right. that I dare say was like that lull between Game Fan and then Gamers Republic. You know what I'm trying yeah, to say? Yeah, yeah, I think it was, yeah. And I couldn't be- like I couldn't believe in my head I'm like I can't believe Game Fan magazine isn't around for this one. You know what I'm trying to say? Like how the hell right. could Game Fan miss like, could you imagine the hype in that magazine for this title? <laughs> I think I'm trying to think of, like when it was because I think you're like later era game fan, but yeah, it would have been um, yeah maybe may, yeah. But no, this, this was but, like this was like the game you always dreamed of. But you're like they're they're never gonna make they're never gonna make Captain versus S and K. But you dreamed of it, you know? Right. You hoped and prayed and dreamed for this game, and then it actually <laughs> not only did it come true. But they actually properly had the SNK versus Capcom side and the Capcom versus SNK side, where not only did we get this game, we got really great card game on the on the Game Boy uh, Pocket Color. Oh, the we got we got a great portable fighting game out of it, and we got an okay the Neo Geo Neo Geo Pocket yeah. Color. Yeah, Neo yeah. Ge- yep. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Neo um, Geo Pocket yeah. Color. <clears throat> no, that's everything for like I've even the. And actually, I got to see a prototype arcade. This is crazy. I got to see a prototype arcade machine of this at E3. Oh, wow. That, yeah, I think that's, that's right. And it was, I think I've said this before. I think it was also the same year they showed off Strider 2. And I saw the arcade cabinet at E3 at Capcom's booth. Because that should have anyway, been, that should like, been, that been uh, Naomi, I think. Naomi Hardware. That's right? correct. Yeah. That's correct. And. So. Um, Everything from the character select screen to like it was so cool. Like they had Shinkiro's art for the characters as well as Capcom's end of yes. art. For, you know what I mean? Like they like they had the match intros from the King of Fighters games that style that I loved. The soundtrack was awesome. The backgrounds were awesome. I mean, were there some things they could have improved in hindsight? Sure. And I think you know there was only really one complaint. And I think you know what I'm going to say is if they would have redrawn uh, the. Uh, Capcom side sprites, or because you know, they were forced to draw the SNK side because yes. they didn't have the SNK sprites on, so it, it was kind of like their back was against the wall. So you got some rehash of uh, Alpha Three sprites, but they did tweak the likes of like Ken and Ryu and played a little bit more like their Turbo counterparts. Um, but I, man, I mean, what a moment! Uh, so that was very exciting. No, I mean to this day, like there's that art of um, it's like Chun Li and Sakura versus Mai and Yuri you know, kind of like giving to their stink eye kind of thing. And I just see that art and it still, it still causes like something in my heart, you know, to flutter a little bit. Like, oh my God, these, these characters, these worlds like fighting each other. I'll tell you something funny. I don't know if I've ever shown you shot in my living room, the main, (laughs) the main professionally framed arcade poster above my TV is the Capcom SNK poster. Oh, wow. (laughs) <laughs> I'll take a shot later. But it was. I mean, but, and I, you I mean, know, I mean, and I was, I was SNK person. So like, I was coming at this like, I mean, because you were, I think you were either SNK, but you liked Capcom, or you were Capcom. Yeah, it's SNK, a weird. Yeah, know. it's a weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's but pretty SNK, SNK was always my thing. So I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. And then the Capcom people were like, oh my god, this is amazing. So yeah. Now my top spot, I kind of cheated. Because it's kind of a two-way tie. So I put both in. So I hope you'll okay. forgive me. But when you hear both games, you're going to understand why it's why how they kind of go hand-in-hand hand and why it's a tie. My number one spot went to the original Bayonetta 
and the original Devil May Cry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bayonetta was probably one of Bayonetta was. Let me get the dates right. For the last, when I say decade, and God, we're in 2016, so that's not even right. So for the 2000s, between. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Last 15 years. In the last 15 years, the three games that stand out to me for giving me experiences where I was like, wow. Like, I felt like I did during the 16-bit era. It would probably go Devil May Cry, um, Metal Gear Solid 4, uh, and then, uh, I'm forgetting one, and like Bayonetta. Or and Devil May, yeah. So, anyway, the, the thing with Devil May Cry, as I've said before, is that was the first game I played, technically 3D game, over, even though it had predetermined camera angles and you still were restricted to certain spots. That was the first game, in my opinion, I played that I felt you could get the speed and feel of a 2D title in 3D. I was blown away. I imported that on PS2, the, whatever summer that came out. I, I think it was summer, I don't think it was 2000, it was 2001. I didn't stop playing that game for like three days straight. I didn't stop till I finished it. I remember it was about an 18-hour experience or so the first time through. I was I couldn't believe it. And then years later, we know this story. I won't tell the whole thing again. Bayonetta was coming out, Platinum Games. Kamiya was behind it. And I didn't think he could catch lightning in a bottle twice. And I even told him that respectfully on Twitter. And he didn't block me. Uh, I, I played the demo. I, I played the de- <laughs> I played the demo Bayonetta. I've said this before. I thought it was good. Uh, I was going to pick up the game, and I didn't really have high expectations. But I actually went through the PS3 version, the Japanese version first, uh, due to the lockout on Xbox consoles. And then I bought the Xbox version in the U.S. in January of, the, of 2010. And then, and then I went through the Xbox 360 version in its entirety as well. You know the whole story there, how the 360 version was superior. But even having right. only played the PS3 version at the time before it hit the States, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the humor. I couldn't believe I got another Devil May Cry it was such a weird kind of concept on paper with the angels and demons and the design that like freaky looking design. But when you played it and went through all of the the throwbacks, the classic Sega titles, Capcom titles, one of the greatest, one of the finest action games ever played in my life. Um, so I'm giving it to Bayonetta, but I stick Devil May Cry in there because that was kind of I don't know if this is fair to say. Wouldn't you argue that that's kind of the blueprint for? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for, I, mean, I mean, when I remember, like, I never ended up beating Devil May Cry, but that game just like amazed me. Like it, it completely blew my mind because we had just never had you know you call it like stylish action now. We never had a game like that, and it it was just so refreshing and and so fun and so different. Um, but, but, you know, no, taking nothing away from Devil May Cry, I, I do think Bayonetta was a point where I felt like for me, that whole concept was refined into the game that I had always wanted it to be. I can't argue that. Like I said, you know, I have those memories of the original Devil May Cry and that kind of started it. But yeah, like it's like, we've seen, like when you see something like then it's there and like, you can imagine it because it's. You've seen it, right? But like as silly as this is going to sound or like basic now, like could have you ever imagined a character controlling weapons on her hands and feet like simultaneously and like right. making it work? Like when you play Bayonetta or you've seen it, you're like, well, of course, it's simple. You just hit this button or 
they did the animation like this, but like, who the hell has ever done anything like that? Like, or you can swap out like uh, a series of weapons and make different combinations for hands and feet. Uh, you know, everything from hand, you know, uh, up close combat, which ha- which feels like kind of like virtual fighter in a way with its responsiveness, ironically, to gunplay, uh, you know, to transformation aspects. Uh, you know, every, or the uh, what is it? The uh, what do you call it? Why can't I remember the name? The uh, torture attacks, implementing um, smart uh, on-screen button, uh, you know, quick-time events that don't, you know, that aren't really overused and make sense at times. It was just a really perfect, a really good mesh of everything, and it was a good length. I know some people kind of like the original Devil May Cry. Ironically, some people felt it was a little bit too long. It was a little bit too long. It was. But I look at it this way: we don't get many games like that, and it was so good. You know, in hindsight, yeah. it's, I'm kind of happy they were that long because it's not like we've got 20 of those games to play. We've only got like two or three. So true. That's my list, and I could go on and on for another hour with all with my original top 50 honorable mentions. I'm gonna just blaze this. Some games at random that didn't make my well. This would have been more if it was a top 50. I wouldn't put some of these in a top 10. But I left out titles such as D and D Chronicles of Mysteria, mm. uh, Overwatch. I was trying to put some recent titles in there too that I think in time I may revisit and you know I could see making a top list. Uh, Mario Kart 8, Shock Troopers, uh, Splatoon. A title I had a tough time leaving out was The Last of Us. Mm. Um, and then everything from some classic stuff from uh, Metal Slug to Gaiares, the Thunder Force series, Res, Star Fox 64, the list goes on and on. So you'll see that entire list um, once the show goes up, which, so which by the way, we, we should mention real quick um, that uh, Sega has picked up the TechnoSoft oh. library, which means they yes, can, can. They, they can now do they can now like do new Thunder Forces or re-release old Thunder Forces, and um, they just the uh, the Neo Geo. I mean, not Neo Geo. God, the uh, the 3DS like. 3D Sega Classics collection. Um, they were. I'm oh, sorry, I'm typing so I can find this. Uh, Thunder. Force. Um, you know they had like all those all those great Sega Classics on on 3DS that you could play in 3D. Yes. And the M2 did the archives and stuff. So they're they're yes. doing the the third and final, actually like retail release in Japan, and. The main games on it are Afterburner 2, Streets of Rage 2, Gunster Heroes, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Super Hang On. And then the additional ones they announced. I just go to find the list. Um, oh, come on. Where's the cover art? Uh, is this it? Is this it? Uh, Alien Syndrome. And then I think Thunder Force, yeah, Thunder Force Three, Alien Syndrome, uh, Turbo Outrun, and I thought one other special game. Oh, uh, Columns. So. Okay. So yeah, so Thunder Force Three is going to be on on 3DS and 3D. It's going to be amazing. But I don't know if I am... get this collection over here or not. Is it? Oh, please don't say that. Do you think we'll, you don't think we'll get Thunder Force Three here? Don't say that. Well, because the problem is, is uh, those games I just listed, the Turbo Outrun, Alien Syndrome, Columns, and Thunder Force Three, those are not in the eShop. Those are only on the physical release. 
Oh, I'll have to bother Sega every day. So, and the problem is, day. of course, is 3DS isn't region free, so. But maybe they can give us another miracle like the physical pack we got yeah, earlier this year. hopefully. I mean, because this, this really, because this, this is the one, if we got one, this is the one we should have gotten. I hope this so. This has better games on it. Please tell everyone when you meet with your people or do your interviews out and about, if you see Sega, please beg. Yes. So, uh, and before we before we get to your piece and we give uh, we give you the floor. Speaking of M two, we always give them high praise with the arcade archives on PS four. Uh, are those dev developed by Hamster? I that's a good question because uh, there's actually two things because we should you, mention, uh, which you might be leading into the first one. But go ahead. Because I was going to say, if it is Hamster, I got to give them kudos, props too, because they're like the they're like the competition to M two because M two does phenomenal work, and whoever is doing the arcade archives, I got to give them a thumbs up too. Because um, I know, and the, I don't know if we, I don't know if we mentioned this in the last show or not. I don't know if it had been announced at that point. Uh, I don't think it had, but maybe it did. The fact that um, they're doing the Neo Geo games. Have we talked about that? Oh, yeah, uh, on PS4? Yes. And who did you say was doing it? That's the part I missed. I spaced out. Ham- Hamster, through the arcade archive. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I downloaded uh, King of Fighters 94 about an hour ago. Okay, cool. Yeah, so they are doing... It hit today. Um, it hit... Yeah. The ones they've announced so far for release in America are in 2016, this year, obviously we got King of Fighters 94, um, Samurai Showdown, Metal Slug, Alpha Mission 2, Fatal Fury, and World Heroes... And then early next year, we'll get Neo Turf Masters and Nam 1975. You know, obviously, this is the argument of um, why aren't we getting the games we want? You know, why are we getting Fatal Fury in that instead of Market Wolf right. and things like that? Uh, but remember, SNK is also doing those other releases. Like, we already got last year. Oh, yeah. Blade. That's, yeah. That has actually yeah. has online and stuff, and then uh, and Mark, Mark of the, the Wolves, Wolves is supposed to still be. Yeah, that's right. Is already announced for that, so we are getting Mark of the Wolves, um, and then we did get a King of Fire two thousand through the PS two games on PS four. So yeah. there are there are a few options for these things. Thankfully, if there was only one, if this was the only thing, then I would definitely be mad about them starting over again but since this is the arcade archive stuff this is actually kind of neat and like okay let them do this and then let snk themselves you know because we also got metal slug 3, 3 before so i think we've got metal slug 3 yep. last play 2 and we are for sure getting mark of the wolves and there's a few other yep. rumored ones so you know so those games that everybody want are coming in a different fashion so we're getting kind of from both ends I must stick in there real quick that while it may not be like the top of everyone's list, Neo Turf Masters is is like the best golf game. Yeah, it's a great game. It, I I love when you miss a shot and he takes the <laughs> he takes the club and just bends it over his knee and he's pissed off. Uh, and I believe the crazy thing I didn't know this at the time, but that's I believe NASCAR Corporation. That that, that would be metal- that would make sense because I think they also did didn't they do Viewpoint. And a couple others. I'm not sure, but well, but Nazca did Metal Slug. They did Metal Slug. Was it Saurus or something like that? I'm going off memory. But I think Nazca, who did Metal Slug, I think they did Neo Turf Masters, if I'm not mistaken. Let me take a look here. While you're looking that up to make me look smart, I'm going to give a quick plug before we uh, come into the final chapter of GVGP21. 
Uh, don't forget to check us out on Twitter. Uh, myself at 24BitAJE. I'm no longer locked down. Uh, my Instagram is locked down. I opened my Twitter back up. Oh. That's the number two, the number four, B-I-T-A-J-E. Find my one and only co-host, Molly Penn at M-O-L-L-I-P-E-N. Uh, the official Twitter of EGM will do a little bit of plug. It looks like the site got redone a little bit again recently. Am I correct in that? Oh, a little or bit. Or am I updated, nuts? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, find them on Twitter at EGM now. That's E-G-M-N-O-W, just like it sounds. And check out the site, egmnow.com. Find the most recent official review from Molly for the recently released Corpse Party on 3DS, the only physical release to come stateside. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Exceed. Uh, that's a fresh review, great review there. And uh, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Search for Morning Radio and subscribe to the Morning Radio family of podcasts. Find the site at radio.morningproject.com. And, of course, you can, you can subscribe through iTunes and regularly through the site. So um, They did Neoturf Masters and Metal Slug uh, before being absorbed in, in, into SNK. Yeah, so they didn't do I, – I think – I don't remember who it was who did either Viewpoint or was it Polestar on Neo Geo? Oh, anyway. I, ICOM. ICOM. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I think I knew it's it ICOM. Yeah. And then um, I okay. think Blazing Star was Yuma Kobo. Blazing Star might be all of memory. Of. That was all off memory, yeah. by the way, too. So I deserve a little bit of a gold star there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny because I mean, like my my memory's bad on that because I just thought everything was SNK. You know, it took me a while to realize. I mean, other than like ADK, like I realized who ADK was. There's a few others where I didn't like fully pick up on it yeah. being um, something else. So I, I thought about this, and you know, I've done this a few times before on different podcasts of like top lists, and you're probably going to hear some of the same things you've heard before if you've ever heard those podcasts. But what I decided to do. Because, you know, Aaron mentioned the fact that he did, they didn't have any games from recent. And one problem we always kind of run into is that whenever you're doing, oh, these are my favorite games ever, it's very easy for you to be influenced by things you've played recently. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's very, it, it was very tough for me not to put, let's say, Overwatch on this list. Right. Um, but especially because this year I I have had four gigantic games that I've loved this year. Um, got Dark Souls 3, Street Fighter 5, The Division, and Overwatch. And so I didn't want to just throw a bunch of recent games on. So I did my list in the way of games that I felt like were some of my favorite games and then also influenced me as a gamer. So that's how I did, I did my list. So... Uh, my number ten choice is Unreal Tournament from Mac. What? Wow! I was a hardcore Unreal Tournament player. Whoa! And the reason I picked this was because um, this was the first real first-person shooter that I fell in love with, and it also caused me, still to this day, to be a team versus solo player in in mm. in first person shooters so like whenever i play not whenever but like you know if i ever play like a battlefield or a call of duty or things like that i always 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 play team deathmatch i never play regular deathmatch i never play solo like you know 
Quake, Doom, whatever, I always go the team option. And it's because of Unreal Tournament. Like, that game, I fell in love with it. It got me to to appreciate and like first-person shooters, and it made me want to never play anything but team-based games. And part of that today now with Overwatch. You know, like, I mean, my love for Overwatch goes back to Unreal Tournament. So, uh, through Anthony's surprise... <laughs> But here's the thing. I'm not. I, I don't have anything snarky to say because it, it was a great title. I just yeah. would have never like. Yeah. You could have said for ten million dollars, <laughs> for like and set me free. Like, like just to even get that name in your or that title in your top ten. If I had to guess it, I would have never done it. Yep. Wow. Uh, number nine is Gravity Rush on the Vita. Um, wow! 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 I have. <laughs> Since I was this a is child, an amazing list. I, since I was a child, I have had these reoccurring dreams of being able to, able to fly. So I've always been fascinated with flight, and always kind of loved that as like a, a superhero element or a gameplay element or whatever. And Gravity Rush just was one of the most amazing experiences in terms of um, world traversal and movement and especially flight that I've ever seen. And it just is, it blew me away. It was just like, unlike any other game, I just could sit there for hours, just like flying cat around the city and do nothing else. Um, Very unsurprising to me that it came from the guy who made Silent Hill back in the day. Cause he has just kind of this, this great little creative streak in him and stuff. Wow. Um, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. And cause it's from uh, team silent I'm sorry, uh, Team Siren, who the guy from Silent Hill went to Sony and then set up the the group and they made that horror game Siren and then it's that group that made Gravity Rush. That's amazing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So just utterly fantastic game and it's one of, also the, one of the games that, that cemented my love for the Vita along with stuff like um, Tearaway and other games. So uh, Number eight is something you just mentioned actually, Corpse Party. For the PSP. <laughs> I'm not making fun. I'm just, it's, it's just mind blowing. Like these aren't bad games. It's just like, I, I don't know where my mind is like, wow. Well, you know, I mean, um, I've, horror is one of my favorite genres in, in, in gaming, uh, but not necessarily just like the, you know, standard kind of bloody stuff, but the more psychological and, and yes, mentally and emotionally scary and stuff. And, Corpse Party did things that I hadn't seen a game since Silent Hill do um, in, wow. in horror. And there has, I can't think of almost any other game that has done with audio what Corpse Party does. Um, the fact that there's a certain segment in the game, a certain scene, where there's literally nothing on screen and it's just audio. And that audio is some of the most scary, disturbing moments that you will ever find in a video game. That it just, the, the way, they took these graphics that were like from RPG Maker and that looked totally old and retro and stuff and built around that these characters and story and this amazing audio design and music that, that just creates this, it's not even necessarily scary, it's disturbing. The game is disturbing in a way that that I thought was amazing. So, well, I will I will make you happy. I bought two copies. Oh, uh, 
<laughs> I am happy. I got one for I, I I got one for myself because I'd never owned any of them on PSP. I didn't know I have them digitally, and I don't have that excuse of where I owned it and never played it. So I, I legitimately just flat out never owned it. I wanted to due to your old reviews. Uh, just never got around to it, and then the, the, we moved on from the PSP. I wanted to take advantage of this being the first physical copy, so I got one for me, and I got one as a little gift for a special someone in my life. Hmm. Uh, and that individual does like the, it's crazy, like the likes of Silent Hill and some of those horror games. So that's how I wound up picking up two copies, one for me and one for someone else. But uh, by, by, by the way, just uh, for all our listeners, the person you're talking about is actually me. So you know, <laughs> I'm a special someone. So. Yeah, you're one of the special no. someones in my life. So. No, but uh, yeah. So actually, I popped it. You know, I, okay. Let me ask you this: Have you gotten your hands on the physical release copy? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, the packaging was nice. Are you going to ask about the? Are you going to ask about the stands? No, I. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm probably never going to take mine out of the. I'm not oh, okay, going to take okay. the the figurines out. But I did see online on an unboxing what you're talking about how they're supposed to angle into it or it's somewhat yes they're they're really really weird but yeah so but i'm gonna say i'm gonna say something weird i have gotten used to games not having manuals and i hate to say like i don't care because every time i open a box and don't see a manual like there is that split second piece of me where it's like ooh, but but i'm like so used to it Uh uh-huh it was refreshing to see like a 30 yeah. page full color really well done manual and they yeah. do that nice little thing when you open the ds case and you know how they for the environment you have all these squares the set the pieces and they actually place the character portraits the faces behind i always like when they do something nice like that so yeah uh packaging was well done i only got to pop it in a little bit the other night because it was late and i was getting interrupted so my phone was going off but with your high praise I will definitely be getting back into that sooner rather than later. Yep. Fantastic game. Number seven on my list is Pac-Man Championship Edition. Mm, mm. I love this game. I love this game so, so much. Um, But one of the reasons I love it and one of the reasons on this list is because it really showed me just what you can do in a game in such um small limitations if you want to say that it like pac-man ce is literally in its its main proper mode five minutes of gameplay that's all there is you play for five minutes you're done and we think of all these other experiences where either you have to sit down and spend half hour hour two hours to get valuable quality time from it or you're sitting in line at the bank and you're playing a stupid like mobile phone game and it's like tap, 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 tap for five minutes and you're done. And it just it was literally just to waste time. But Pac-Man CE showed me that you can have a game that is only five minutes long, that yet you can play for like hundreds of hours and that it has depth all that time. And that that you actually appreciate the fact that it's only five minutes because it's you know, and you see this in other games, like especially like you know, uh, shoot 'em ups and stuff like that, where it's not about you're just playing for five minutes and you're done. It's about every single second that you're playing is either a second you have utilized or wasted. Like, literally, a second can mean a gigantic difference in score. So 
it it just opened up this this love in me for for games that can say yeah here's a here's two minute mode here's a five minute mode you know and i ended up really liking for example um star soldier on the wii there was that kind of WiiWare version of star soldier that came out that oh. has what they oh what they was it the carav the carav the carnival yeah, caravan. Or caravan yeah caravan which which my understanding of that is that that's kind of the versions that they had at uh tournaments in japan yeah, like Caravan, Caravan 92 or something. Yeah, where the, the tournament versions where, okay, you play for two minutes and see how big of a score you can get. You play for five minutes and see how big of a score you can get. Um, so Pac-Man CE really made me fall in love with that idea of, you know what? I'd rather play five minutes where I'm trying to have the best five minutes of my life versus, and no offense to the game, but versus like a Geometry Wars where they're like, just keep playing and playing and playing and playing until you die. Where that game can go on for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, or whatever. Like, I don't need that gigantic length of a game. Just give me a game that's super crazy for those X amount of minutes. And then make me play it again and again and again and again to get as good as I can get at it. So. Yeah, a great title. I don't have a lot to add to it. But that the whatever year it came out, was it 2010 or 2011? Uh, that was my download game of the year that year. I mean, phenomenal title. And what's interesting is, and I'm, I'm, uh, oh, what's his name? I can see him. I t- like, it's in my brain. But um, the original creator of Pac-Man, he made Pac-Man and he made this. The, those are the two games in Pac-Man series he made. He didn't do um, uh, the recent one, Championship nope. Edition Two. Nope. Oh, what is nope. it, Toru Iwatani? Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, uh, only only two he's done. And I mean, and I used to be a gigantic, I, I used to be a really, really big uh, Miss Pac-Man fan. But like yes, Pac-Man yes. CE is kind of pushed that aside. But like other wow. than other than Miss Pac-Man, like the two best games in the series were both from him. That's the only two versions that he's done in the series. Well. Uh, well, hey, to be fair... He was designer on Pac-Mania, which doesn't... I guess I don't really count. I'm taking a look at that right now. Oh, and you don't you remember the world-famous Libble Rabble? Um, I don't think he was... Neither, but, neither do I. But n- <laughs> Libble Rabble, I do I'm not know. I'm just teasing. I don't um, know what it is. I, I've never seen I, I, I don't know list. how high he was in terms of design-wise on Pac-Mania. Right. But, and then Pac-Man World 2 is like... The special thanks. So, yeah, I can't um, believe, yeah. My number, if I can find my list again, uh, number six. We kind of mentioned it in a way, but I tried to avoid mentioning it so that I wouldn't mention it. Uh, <laughs> Samurai Showdown Two on the Neo Oh show. wow! I I loved Street Fighter Two when it came out. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely adored it. But there was always like something about Capcom fighting games that I didn't like. And I think over time it's been the character designs is that there's just like, there's something about, especially in that era, like the way I remember like just dumb looking Sagat and, and just dumb looking Blanca and just Ken and Ryu look dumb. And I just like, <laughs> I liked Chun-Li you know, but other than that, like, I just didn't really like the characters and just the graphics were a really weird thing. And, 
you know, you get to like alpha and stuff and they're, 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 they're fine. But I really liked the game, but there was just something that I couldn't love it like I wanted to. Um, and then, you know, here comes SNK and they're like fatal, fatal fury. And it's like, okay, this is just weird. I don't know. It's, it's whatever. Um, and then Samurai Shonen comes out and it's like, okay, this is like SNK's. Actually, I think did, did Art of Fighting come out before Sam Show? Uh, the original Sam Show or the uh, original Sam Show? I think yeah. so. I think so. I think so. I, yeah, I think I, so. I think it went Fatal Fury, Art of Fighting, Sam Show is the way. Is the, the yeah? That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. And it was kind of like third times a charm. Like Sam Show comes out and it's like, okay, this is finally where I can accept that SNK like is going to be possibly a rival fighting game company because all of a sudden like things are getting kind of serious and this game's actually really cool. Um, but Sam Rush 2 comes along and that just changes everything because that was just a perfect example of the fighting game follow-up where they fixed what needed to be fixed. They add, added characters that really gave something to the game and it was just so, so good. And I, I can't, I can't really go back to SF2 in these days. Like, I respect it. I will respect it for the rest of my life. Absolutely. But I can't go back to it. I can, any day of the week, go back to Sam Show 2. Like, that to me is still a completely playable, completely enjoyable, phenomenal fighting game. I I, I will say this. I don't want to interrupt you. So two things. When I'm done saying this piece, say Chun-Li to me to trigger my memory. Um, okay. But on Samurai Showdown and Samurai Showdown 2, yeah, this is another one of those things, uh, I hate to sound like a broken record, unless you lived through it or went through that era, especially with the arcade era, like I'm going to say things kind of like the Resident Evil type thing or the Bayonetta type thing where like, once again, when you see something or you see it executed and done well, like, then you know it, like you, then it's out yeah. there, like an idea yeah. or, you know what I mean? Like it's so it's, it's easy to imagine because we've seen it. But when you've never seen something before or something's coming from scratch or an original idea, this may sound like silly. And I was I was young at the time. I was probably around 13 at the time. You tell me if this sounds dumb. When I saw Samurai Showdown and Samurai Showdown 2 in particular, like after seeing Street Fighter, I couldn't believe like <laughs> – like it was still a 2D fighter and it was still a fighting game. But there were certain things done in Samurai Showdown or like the weapon play that I just didn't think was like possible. Yeah. Yeah. Like I couldn't, but like, because it, it, it was so different. It's weird because it's a 2D fighter. It's, you know, you've got quarter circle motions on your special moves, but it was really different. And then like you had the, oh, what was the term? If I, the arterial spray or like yeah. you had like the deaths, like cutting your enemy in half or like seeing them getting carried away or even little stuff, which is insignificant, kind of like power-ups getting thrown from the background or pieces of meat yeah losing your weapon your weapon breaking the character design was there's like so much to it yeah like and once again like it really was that street fighter 2 was its own thing and samurai showdown was like something completely different and it was just crazy at the time and you know you always see me bellyache about this online and i'm sure everyone's sick of it although once again here here comes this plug i found a way to stick guilty gear in here xard with the exception of maybe that in recent years now everyone can hate me again the 
this was an era once again where background the backgrounds in that game were just friggin' awesome. The sound and usually uh, in Samurai Showdown Two in particular, like sometimes when a game doesn't have a track or music track for a certain area, like I'm kind of like that's lame or lazy or. You know, there were certain elements in Samurai Showdown 2 where all you heard were like sound effects or like it was kind of atmospheric depending on the stage. And right. it totally, totally fit. Like yeah. it made sense. Yeah. So that was a uh, great memory. That that was pro- – have we said this before? Would you argue that was um, – Samurai Showdown 2 was probably SNK's 90s peak? I mean, I, I would I would say from that early era of fighting games, um, you know, until you get to like later King, King of Fighters and yeah, Garou and stuff like but, like Samurai Showdown two. I mean, I, I always thought to today say like if you're talking top five SNK fighting games ever, like I think Sam Show two is there. Um, yeah, I think from from the early era, absolutely, it was better than it. It was way better than anything Fatal Fury had for a long, long time. Uh, sure, way better time, than yeah. any of the art of fighting games. Yeah. So. Um, so Chun Li, what were you gonna say about Chun Li? Oh, what's uh, you were speaking about how Chun Li was kind of cool in Street Fighter Two, but I gotta tell you, I was—it's an iconic character. But now that we've seen all these versions of Street Fighter, what's your favorite visual representation from what game of Chun Li? Which way do you like her best? I know my pick. Boy, that's tough. I mean. I because I, I I like her Street Fighter three, like uh, I yeah, really that's do. What I was gonna say I I think it's close between Third Strike and Alpha. Yeah, Alpha was fun, but I I hate to be one of those people. But I, I hate <laughs> to be one of those people, especially as somebody who's saying Sakura should have a toy new outfit, as saying Ken and Ryu should have new outfits. Um, I I just. Having Chun Li in a different outfit like didn't work. For yeah, me. that classic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's I funny. She looked Sam- awesome in Third Strike. Yeah, she did. And I was starting to think like I, I think she looks awesome in Five though too. To be to be fair, she um, does look. Yes, um, yes, she does look nice there. Uh, I had a gigantic crush on Charlotte from Sam Show Two, and <laughs> beyond game fan, one of my early uh, claims to fame on the internet that people knew me for. Was I had a Charlotte and Blue Mary uh, fan site that ran for a long time. So this is so this is so embarrassing. I can't. I mean, I guess if any time is the time, it's now to embarrass myself on a gaming podcast. But do you know who I liked from uh, Samurai Showdown too? And, and, and are you Cham Cham? Secretly... Yeah, <laughs> uh, I knew it. I knew it. I'm. I'm. I might be subconsciously uh, a furry. Was, I'm just kidding. I think you can tell about a person about from from which uh, of Sam Show Two's females that you had a, a crush on. I liked uh, Champ Champ, but you know what? When it came to Fatal Fury later on, you know who I did like. We do have something in common. I did like. Um, well, no, wait a minute. That's a lie. I did like my. It's tough not to like my. Oh, I love my. I, I, like, I love mine this day. Absolutely. But I did like Blue Mary. Yeah, I like. I see. I, I think Blue Mary at her best in King of Fighters. Like I think that the King of Fighters Blue Mary's bright. Is one of my favorite sprites ever in a fighting game. Um, when, I was going to say when I think of her, I have to. I do think Fatal Fury three. Okay. Yeah. 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 I yeah. just I like I like her King of Fighters 
outfit and sprite and everything. But um, I, I put my over Chun Li every day, any day. So my oh, my wow. is my is like like when you talk about i mean everybody would say like chun li is like the queen of fighting games but to me like my is the queen and, and were you jealous or did you ever want a poster of that i think it was the x the original xbox cover that had my and chun li face to face yeah i actually like that i like that you know the one I'm t- i yeah, yeah i always thought that was a cool piece when i say jealous yeah. like i mean like because i never really bought fighting games at the time on xbox but right. i remember i saw that and i was like man i'm like that's a that's a cool cover no, like anything, like my versus Chun Li, I I just love that art because I love those yeah. two characters, and I think they just work so great, like this this rivalry. Yeah. Uh, number five, I actually have a tie, and there's a reason these two are tied together. Like they kind of make sense. Um, my tie is between Fantasy Star Online for Dreamcast and World of Warcraft for PC slash Mac. Wow. Uh, I was not a MMORPG person because I just had a Mac and I didn't really play kind of like games on it. Um, I had friends who were into EverQuest Online and they were like, it was weird because that was still when you didn't really understand what MMOs were. Like most people didn't. And you just knew like, okay, this this friend is spending like hours and hours and hours every day in this one game. Like what is going on with this? Um, but Fantasy Star came, Online came out and it just destroyed my life absolutely like <laughs> but there was that that era like and the the problem was is i went to japan at a certain point um and when i got back then it had switched over to to version two because there was that second like dreamcast release and that's when kind of like the hacking started and kind of like the a-holes in the game were around and and right. that's when you had when you had to actually had to pay every month to play it but that first version, it was online. Everybody was nice. Everybody was, it was, you know, playing together. It That was, like, my first real entry into the, here's a virtual world. And you can go online, and there's actual people there, and you can play together. And, you know, I would start playing. Um, I remember. I remember because I was living at my mom's house. And I had um, my Dreamcast hooked up to a VGA monitor. And I had the Dreamcast keyboard. And then I had fought with Sega for like months and months to get one of the broadband adapters because there was a big, big problem with those getting those actually released when they first came out. Um, I had all that stuff. I would start playing at like 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night, like after I'd eaten dinner. And then next thing I knew, like the sun's coming up. And I'm just like, (laughs) oh my God, I've wasted my entire night playing this game. But it was just, it was so magical. Um, and then playing World of Warcraft was kind of the same for me. Like it was okay. You've played Fantasy Star Online. Now go see what that real thing is about. You know, and just like we can't have that anymore because that that's been ruined. Because we've had so many experiences now of like open world games and online games and you know multiplayer like MMO kind of stuff games. But that early era of playing these games and being like there's an actual virtual world out there where there's real people that i can i can you know fight against or or team up with or whatever it was just amazing another one of yeah another one of those you know at the time or that era things kind of like what we were saying about winter break and you know being a slob and vegetable in front of the tv but in a weird sick way like as crazy as it sounds to put so many hours of your life into something 
do you sometimes like for the nostalgia or harken back kind of wish you could get that feeling again sometimes like oh, you know yeah. not like 24 oh, not yeah. like 24 7 like doing it for two years straight but like you know like maybe a few days or a week you know a week here and there like just to get that uh it's kind of weird when you get older you know you get more experience and you know things change in life but you know sometimes i reflect back on things like certain things used to make me so excited or i was like oh my god like the anticipation or like that like crazy stuff like i think you've said this before like finding a like whether it be a niche website or gaming website or like just spending hours on it and kind of like this with gaming like to be able to interact with people all over the globe and kind of have that kind of bond or online gaming relationship it's uh but it's like you say now it's just like pfft, we're so yeah, spoiled it's, it's, I, could fa- yeah. I, I could facetime i could facetime someone on the other end of the planet and get right back to my lunch and 20 yeah. minutes and not care D- discord skype you know facetime <laughs> you've got like 800 like free to play mmorpgs you can pick from and everything um I think last time I checked, I actually had like a hundred hours logged in Fantasy Star. I mean, no, I'm sorry, not hundred hours, hundred days logged in Fantasy Star Online. What? Okay, I'm gonna get. The Which is how much there. I how much I played it. A hundred days. I think it was like around there. So hold on. Oh my. But the gosh. The, the interesting interesting it's thing about, too. It's about it's about twenty four hundred hours. Yeah, the interesting thing too is that there's actually. You can still play it online. There are fan servers to this day still running for the Dreamcast Fantasy Star Online. And people are still making new quests and stuff last I knew. I wonder I wonder how many people are uh, still on that. Wow, talk about hardcore. I bet you it's more than Battleborn and uh, Boy of Balls. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I, it's, it's, you know what? I bet you it's especially more than uh, No Man's Sky. So... Oh, you know what? I rarely sell any of my stuff, like it, like for collector's sake. So it's, I got to tell you, I sold No Man's Sky. Oh, I got rid of it. Yep. Um, Adios. Number four. This is going to come as a shock to zero people on this planet that that know who I am. Um, I don't know. You've been shocking me so far. Yeah. Well, I, I think from this point on, there's like no shocks. Um, <laughs> my number four game is, of course, Persona. Uh, I, I love I love four I love three I, I I like two I haven't actually I haven't played I mean I need to go back and properly play two again like Eternal Punishment version. Um, it's hell, but, but cool looking game, awesome out of it. So tough. It is it is tough, but the original Persona, like you you have to understand that when when Persona came along, you know for for people who played like console RPGs. Um, there were kind of like two classes we had. It's either fantasy or sci-fi. Like those were the two kinds of RPGs we always got. And Persona comes along and it's like, hey, it's actually a bunch of high schoolers. And they're walking around a town in Japan. And they're fighting demons. And it just felt so different. And it was like one of those first times where you're like, I can actually, at least on some, some deeper level, like connect with these characters. Because it's not like, you know, fighting dragons and in, in, in armor and stuff. And it's not being out in space and fighting aliens. It's just high schoolers having high school problems, but then fighting demons. <coughs> so it was, for the time, just... <laughs> yeah. Right. It was just utterly magical. It was so different, so unique. Um, it it changed a lot in what I wanted in an RPG. Uh, it 
you know, it made me really appreciate like the deeper characters. It made me fall in love with Atlas and the Megami Tensei series. So, um, and you know what? I think actually, I think Persona is still playable to this day. I know a lot of people don't think that, but I can go back and still have fun with it. It's, it is tough even on the PSP release, which is the way you should play if you do play it. It is not an easy game to get into, but it's still completely playable. Uh, number three, uh, a game you actually just kind of heard referenced anyway, is uh, Fantasy Star, the original one. Wow, so you put... It's a, okay, so which one? Fan, the original Fantasy Star on, on Master System. Wow, so you, so you did put two Fantasy Stars in that top ten. Wow. Yeah, because I, I consider them to be different enough. Um, no, sure, totally, sure. No, yeah, but totally that's, wow. Uh, Fantasy Star, I mean, this is going to sound so weird to younger listeners, but there was a time when we didn't have RPGs and we didn't know what RPGs were. Yeah, can you and, believe that? And, you know, there comes along, and I always forget the exact order, but I know there was Miracle Warriors on the Master System, there was Fantasy Star on the Master System, and there was Dragon Warrior, which is what we now know as Dragon Quest on the NES. So those were kind of like the first three console games that, I mean, console RPGs that we got, that existed. So, you know, Fantasy Star was this this weird concept of like, okay, I'm not, you know, attacking creatures. I have to get into battles and then use menus to fight them and stuff. And there's like three entire planets in this game. And I'm finding a party and getting this party together. And it was so different and so unique. And there's entirely new, you know, method to me of storytelling and, and gameplay. And it was one of the first like really big games for me to play that also had a female main character. You know, I mean, we had Alice, which that was groundbreaking for the time. And we didn't even realize the fact that it was. Uh, but, I mean, without Fantasy Star, like, I don't know if I would have loved RPGs as much as I do now. And uh, I don't know when I would have found that next game that really sunk into me because Miracle Warriors didn't really do it. I liked Dragon Quest, the original one, but it, it wasn't, like, the game to capture me. The original <clears throat> Final Fantasy, no way in the world... Because that was like just it, that was a mess to me at that point. Right. So it might not have even been until like, you know, Genesis and Super Super Nintendo before I even like fell in love with RPGs. But Fantasy Star was there, and it was so so good. And another game let that me, I would say is still playable. So. Let me ask you this now, Fantasy Star. I remember seeing growing up, and I remember I wanted it, and I thought the pictures on the back of the box looked really cool, and I remember being really expensive, so I never got to experience that at home. And not until much later in life, like I, you know, always read about it and heard about it. Uh, but later on in life, I bought, got the collections, and like in more recent time, there was the PS3 digital download of the Japanese PlayStation 2 collection, which has English option. There's right. a mouthful for you, which actually you gave a heads up on, and it was on Silicon Air and all that. Now, in your opinion, having been such a Fantasy Star fan firsthand, how do three and four rank to you? Because I remember at the time, like reading and like seeing, like those were huge cartridges on Genesis, and like three, di- couldn't you like get married and have a family? And yeah, there was there was four. actually I think three different generations in three. Yeah. So how do you like in short? How do you rank those? Did you enjoy three and four as well? 
I didn't play all the way through three because it was okay. so different. And I oh okay like so I loved 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 one, and then two comes along, and then two felt very different in 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 its own right. And it wasn't bad, but it's like ah, this feels not quite what I was hoping it would be. But I fell in love with it in its own in its own way. And then three comes along and it's just so weird and just so different. And there was, it's hard to explain, but anybody who was a Genesis fan at that point, there was a certain kind of like art style that, that Sega got into for a while Yeah. where fantasy star two had been very cartoony, but fantasy star three was this cross between anime and trying to make things very detailed. And, and I have to admit from a, like not having played it to him, I did like that look. I'm guilty. Yes, yeah, I didn't but, like it, and it was it was just weird to say that for this period of time, like Sega really got into that art style. It seemed like yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. And then Fantasy Star Four took me back to kind of well, it was really like the kind of nostalgia game where hey, remember Alice in the first one, and hey, remember this, and hey, remember that. Um, so I'd kind of say I'd say. The first one's the best, and then two and four are kind of on the same level to me, and then three is a lot really? lower down. Yeah, interesting. Oh, huh. Would you like to see uh, someone like an M two do a collection of that on three DS, or do those, or do you think I that's would nuts? love to see Fantasy Star? I mean, because I think uh, it might be tough to work out, but I think um, Fantasy Star could be really neat in three D. But I don't know if yeah. it would actually work or not. <laughs> Yeah, but I think cool. I think you could do it. It's like the battle scenes had kind of like different layers and stuff, so I would love to right. see them try it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, number two is Dark Souls. Wow. There, there have been a wow. uh, few games um, on the level of Dark Souls that changed what I want from gaming. And when I played Dark Souls, there was, like, I literally came out of that game with a list of, okay, other video games, here's what I now don't want you to do. Because Dark Souls went through and did so many things right to me. And I'll give you one perfect example is, and we all know, we all know this, you know, is that you'll get at a certain point in a game and a character starts wanting to talk to you. So the game will take away control from you. And it'll be kind of like a pseudo cutscene as that character is talking to you and and telling you things and stuff, you know. And so you have to sit there for a few minutes and you can't control anything, you can't do anything, and all of a sudden you get control back after a few minutes and you keep going. Um, or something really cool happens, like you walk into a room and all of a sudden this big boulder falls down and starts like rolling towards you. And in ninety nine percent of other video games, that would be a cutscene. That happens, and then it takes you back to that point where the boulder is almost near you, and then you you manually run away from it. Um, in both those cases, like in Dark Souls, like that just happens in the world as you're playing. Like the game doesn't stop. The game doesn't take control away from you. The game doesn't make you do cool things in cutscenes. Like if you do cool things in in Dark Souls, a majority of the time you are as a player are actually doing them. If you're talking to a character, you can at any point when they're talking just walk away and ignore them. Um, if a giant boulder comes falling down, you have to be looking in its direction and to see it falling. And that's just happening in the world around you. Like there's 
there's so many things that this game does like even beyond just how much i loved it how much i love the characters the world the gameplay everything there's so much it did that changed how i wanted other games to play going forward uh i said more than almost any other thing i ever i've ever played it made me either like certain games or hate certain games going forward because of how much they were or were not like dark souls wow i mean that's i think that's i think high if you're praise. Doing, i think if you're doing a study on how to make games like you can sit there and just spend you know hours and hours and hours researching dark souls and come out with a gigantic list of do's and don'ts that it teaches you in gaming i and, wish not yeah, i was gonna say i wish now what i'm gonna say might sound dumb because we have twitch and online and you can record but, but i wish we lived closer just so i could hang out and like spend the day and just watch you play that for a while you know what i mean you know what i'm trying to say just to no it's it, you know kind it's of get because, your perspective because i yeah i'm sorry no because i no, respect no. your perspective and, and i'm not saying i disagree like you got me actually you're the one that got me to at least add it to my collection i got i think i got the original dark souls on uh ps3 new i had like a coupon and then some other crap and i got it for like five bucks so like I got that, and then I got Dark Souls Two Limited Edition, which I never, even, I had didn't even touch. Which I know you're probably going to say it's probably a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's not then, bad. That's uh, not I great. Yeah. And I did buy Bloodborne, but I haven't gotten Dark Souls Three because I'm like I can't. I got to play some of this stuff right. that I've got. But I know your praise for Dark Souls was so incredibly high. That well, I, I will tell I will tell people if if you've never played any of them and you want to play one of them, I would say Dark Souls Three is probably the way to go. I think Dark Souls Three oh, is, really? the, is the friendliest in terms of of um, just gameplay things that didn't need to be unfriendly. Uh, it's a great, great game. I just think personally, in my heart, like I like the first Dark Souls much, much better. But I think as a overall game experience, I think Part Three is probably the best of the series. And as I'm looking here, just to, while I do own it on PS3 for Xbox One owners, I'm checking the list. It is backwards compatible, and you can buy it digitally for twenty bucks. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, so it's funny because you were talking about like like just watching somebody play, and actually, my number one game was a game like that for me, uh, where it doesn't seem like it'd be the best game to play with friends around but i i ended up spending a weird amount of time in it <laughs> playing it with friends there where i was playing and they were kind of watching and it was like a mutual experience and again this is zero surprise in this uh if you are shocked i will be shocked that you are shocked but uh, my number one game of course is silent hill okay all right there, there, I, si- silent hill go, go ahead I'm laughing because I almost thought for a split second. And it would have been a good pick, but I thought you were going to say Splatoon. No. I like Splatoon. <laughs> Splatoon's a great game. I do, no, I do. I But no, this makes much more uh, much more sense. Yeah. Um, Silent Hill is a game I've always said that if I made video games, I wish I would have made Silent Hill. Like, that's this is a game I would have made. Um, it... It made me love horror games. It made me, you know, fall in love with certain types of storytelling and gameplay and everything. It just, it's 
to this day, like I think back to certain scenes that happen in the game or certain moments, um, certain locations or whatever. And I still have as much emotion for it now as I did then. I played it, I think, like nine times through. Um, I played one one game where I made sure I collected every single item in the game. I played one playthrough where I killed every single enemy in the game. And I know some people are going to say you can't do that because enemies respawn. But actually, certain enemies that respawn, if you kill them enough times, they will stop respawning. How how wow? That's I know that because I played through it so many times, and (laughs) I was like, okay, this time I'm doing this. You know, Um, I made like a phone book for like okay, this store in the game is located on this certain street and stuff. You know, Um, like it was insane. Like I just fell in love with that game so much, and back in the time back in the day, like I just played it so much, so many times through. It's just that will forever probably be like one of my favorite games ever now you have made this crystal clear i don't want to sound dense but i just need to clarify you are speaking of silent hill the original on playstation one yes can i say something now but by the way i've played that but silent hill 2 i beat and this isn't an argument i'm not getting into an argument like silent hill 2 is better but that's not where i'm headed the funny thing is is like i remember going through silent hill 2 on playstation 2 and like i enjoy i i thought it was really good right like it was great and a lot of people like talk about like the ending and how great it was and like i'm not that's all subjective but you tell me if i'm nuts even though i'm not a silent hill the original one expert did somewhere along the lines of gaming history like even though i beat silent hill 2 and i really enjoyed it and i have experience playing silent hill 1 I remember back in the day, every like quote everyone saying Silent Hill One was like great, and that was the like that was the superior game. Okay, but then as time went on, I feel like everyone now says Silent Hill Two. Yes. Am I yes. making that up? No. It, did and, that? Say- and here's the thing: is when I played Silent Hill Two at first, I was really disappointed in it because. The, the reason the reason this is, exists and I it it makes sense why it changed over time is that Silent Hill two came out and there were these certain expectations on what a sequel would be, you know, it's like okay, going from one to two, we're gonna get this, 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 and this, and Silent Hill two comes out and you're like, this is kind of weird because like the city isn't as developed as it was in one. And, like, the combat, like, we thought it'd be better, but it's actually not as good. And, like, this is this is not as great, and this is not as great. So there were these certain pieces where you're like, this is supposed to have been a sequel. This is supposed to have raised the first game higher, you mm-hmm. know. And so that initial kind of, I think, reaction was, wow, this is kind of disappointing almost for, for being a sequel to a game, you know, that we loved in a sequel that we were anticipating. And then I think as time went on and you get away from that, I was anticipating it. So I had that initial kind of disappointment in it that Mm -hmm. you look back and you can look on it properly and you're like, okay, wow, it did like these other certain things so well. And it, it, it it just perfectly hit this note, this note, this note, it, it tried these certain other things and it accomplished all of them fantastically so i think it's more seeing it for 
seeing it between what you were expecting from a sequel and it not fitting those expectations to actually judging it as its own game. I, I must ask you, since you're the Silent Hill expert and probably won't get this opportunity again for a while, and I'm, I'm assuming that Neil will listen to this episode, I hope, because I'm going to ask this not only for him, but for myself too. What the heck was up in Silent Hill 2? And I'm going from memory, so it may be foggy. No pun intended. To complete that one puzzle, you had to, like, put the six-pack of juice or whatever through the compactor to get the item. Like, there was, like, I don't even remember that anymore. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Something along those lines. And I remember at the time we joked around about it because we're like, what the hell does, like, (laughs) like, it just didn't make sense. But, I mean, that would happen. And not to make excuses, sometimes that was just, like, Japanese gaming sometimes. I was going to say, I mean, because you, like, look at Resident Evil, and Resident Evil is horrible about that. There's, like, this this weird thing. I mean, you know, you'll find the games are like, okay, you have to do all these, you have to do all these steps in order to unlock this, like, locked wooden door when one of your weapons is, like, an axe. And you're like, why can't I just chop the door down and get through the door? You know, like there are certain times in games where they completely break logic because they want to put a certain puzzle in. <laughs> and you're like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. But I think Japanese developers are often really bad about that, about having these kind of abstract situations that later on you're like, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. Like, why would I do those kind of things just to, to have this, you know, result? Speaking of effed up. And I don't know. I think Silent Hill. This is what triggered it. Is just the the crazy nature of Silent Hill. Oh, you know, it made my honorable mentions list five years ago. I'm going to mention a game, and I I, I got to tell you something. I'm going to brag a little bit because I did beat this game, and I don't know anyone. Now, there's a couple listeners I know that listen to the show. I can guarantee you they probably beat this game because there's some completionists that listen to this show. But for the most part, in my life, I don't know anyone that beat this game. It was really effed up, and for what it was, I. I kind of loved it. Killer Seven. Oh yeah, I've never actually played it, but everybody keeps telling me to, to play it at some point. There were some things, and the excuse I make here was that due to the art style, the cell shading, like I think it gets looked at differently than like your Grand Theft Autos or Call of Duties of the world when it comes to violence because it doesn't, it's not really realistic. But it's just funny. I always made the joke in private to some people that it just comes to show you that like when it comes to controversy or people stirring the pot that they obviously don't play everything and aren't familiar with everything that's out there because there was some stuff in killer seven that I was like, (laughs) I, I could like there. And I don't know if I'm messing this up like in my head, but I know there was like a scene you watched and I, and (laughs) And you like watched his daughter get her like brains blown out, and and I I'm not saying I find this funny, but like I just remember like the shock level at home. I'm like, did I, I'm like, did I really just like see that? And like, and I really liked the ending of the game. Like it was one of those things where I don't know if I should say it, but like, and here's the thing: it was kind of weird because it was kind of obvious. Like it was weird. It was obvious. But then at the same time, when it actually happened, I was like, wow, like that was like a really cool ending. I'm going to say the I'm going to say spoiler for the next 20 seconds. But it was ultimately because you play as the character with split personalities. I think there were seven of them. And ultimately, at the end of the game, 
the main one opens up his briefcase of weapons and you realize there's all the different weapons of each respective character in the game and you realize it was him with the split personalities who played the whole game and each different character was each of his different splits. You know what I mean? But like when I saw, I was like, wow, I really haven't seen anything like that. And it, but obviously the court and end of spoilers, by the way, now, but, um, you know, some of the gameplay and stuff was just, re- it was just really odd, like going it, like the way it worked and how you couldn't really move right or left at certain times. I found it was really odd, but anyway, killer seven was kind of the, one of those, uh, while it wasn't really scary, that was just another one of those effed up experiences, kind of like the early silent hill games. You know, yeah, um, yeah. So, um, but I have a list of like kind of like these were games from like I, I don't think they're gonna make the list, but I was just trying to like list out what games I love and which ones I think you know might go on a list like that. Um, so just as my honorable mentions, then and and so this is not scientific at all. I'm sure there's plenty of things I'm missing. This is just like when I was brainstorming. Um, <clears throat> I have Fatal Frame Two. Final Fantasy VI, Herzog's Phi, uh, Jet Set Radio Future, Pocky and Rocky, Project Diva Extend. Uh, I have combination of Ridge Racer 2 on PSP and or Ridge Racer Type 4. Mm. River City Ransom, Silent Hill 2, of course. Uh, King of Fighters 98, Um Jammer Lammy, and WrestleMania 2000. Wow. Well, that's an interesting little list. Yep. But uh, well, we've give, we've gotten a pretty good uh, GVGP twenty one going here. We're clocking in close to two hours and forty minutes. Uh, I feel like it's been pretty good so far. I, I like the topic. We covered a lot of the Nintendo Switch. We got through this top ten. Uh, it was very fun. I like doing these type of podcasts. Uh, I know when we did it for the Double Plus Good Games podcast back in 2011, it was one of our most downloaded episodes of all time, alongside yours, of course. I have to stick that in there. But, uh, I, you know, honestly, besides like yours, and I'm not saying this to kiss butt and a couple other guests we had, you know, one of the episodes we had the most feedback of over the tenure of that four plus years of that show was our top 50. Hmm. So uh, hopefully that this ma- that top makes sense, 10. Though, I think. So. Yeah, those are always good. So uh, maybe we'll have to do some more lists in the future. Uh, I'll ask the fans. Uh, you, you tweeted out the email address today. Uh, maybe we can do like something like a soundtracks uh, episode or. Well, you know, I was thinking um, too, like one thing that may be fun is like um, we have to like our favorite game from like every genre. Oh, no. my word. Well, we'll have to come up with the, the, maybe like 10 or 12 genres or something like that. Yeah. Because yeah. then, then, then I think you get into genres where like we don't necessarily recommend them right away. So I like, think about like what games, like sports games, or I was just gonna say, you know, it could actually be fun. It was almost a joke, but it would actually be fun for sports because there was an era where there were some really just straight up fun sports games. Oh yeah, I mean, like I think we've lost that era where sports games could be played by non-sports fans. Like, can, can I say? I, if, oh, so, sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to get this off my chest. The sports game that should exist with its cartoony humor and needs a sequel updated with tons of animation and just fleshed out. If there was only one sports game to come back that needs the full-on treatment, and it's ironic because it's going to be one of the most boring sports in the world, but when it comes to video games, we need a proper Baseball Stars 3. 
I was just gonna say, like, like Baseball Stars 2020. I love that game so much. And then I, I know there's like the Baseball Stars two versus Baseball Stars 2020 people. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, like, like, okay. You were talking about the Neo Turf Masters earlier, so you have that. Yes. You yes. have Baseball Stars. I think back to like, remember on the NES we had like Double Dribble, we had Blade Steel, um, we had Track and Field, we had you know Tecmo Bowl. Um, you had like, you know, NBA jam. There were like, <sighs> I'm going to tell you one that one of the last warning episodes touched base upon. Cause obviously it was sh- like sports never came up on that show, but even you, uh, the team mentioned the baseball simulator series. Yeah. And that really hit me. Cause I remember that was huge for me on NES. I still lived in New York and like that, man, I remember renting that and, uh, just, crazy now obviously that one hasn't aged well in terms of visuals like baseball stars but yeah i mean there was a lot of fun a lot of fun sports games back in the day yeah i i think like and even like you look at like wrestling you know there was of course matt mania there was um Konami's like wrestling like weird wrestling game there was you know slam masters um there's just like tons of like sports yeah. stuff that you didn't have to be i mean because like everybody played like nba jam you yeah, know? like everybody played double dribble or or like some of like the other hockey games and stuff, um, baseball games. Like, yeah, it's just like I, I feel like we've lost that kind of just simple fun of sports games where now you really like you either have to really, really, really be into the sport because it's like super hardcore and sim and stuff or <laughs> they just don't even try. And it's like, OK, this right. is just a stupid little throwaway game. Right. Although, you know, although I did see, and it's supposed to be coming to PS4, it's literally, this just entered my mind. I know it was announced for Japan, but did you see they're doing bases loaded with the NES graphics, but fleshed out modern day? When I say fleshed out, I mean like probably they're redoing the teams and like more to it. But it looks, but it literally looks like the NES bases loaded. Wow, I I saw, yeah, I. Yeah, I have to look it up again, and fans can look it up so they know I'm not nuts. I haven't seen an update on it in a while, but yeah, that was kind of uh, kind of interesting. But uh, RB, RBI baseball, of course, we had. Yeah, um, and I I don't want to be picky, but I saw that, and I'm like, you know, it was like one of those in between, like I don't know, a base wars. Uh, I, yeah. Of course, Nintendo had, you know, soccer. Oh, my God. Lee Trevino's fighting golf. I loved – that was from SNK. <laughs> I forgot I about that. Loved that game <laughs> so much. In in part, of course, because it was, like, one of the first golf games that had a female character in it. But um, <laughs> Super Spike Super Spike V-Ball. Like, think about, like, all the, the, the volleyball games that we used to have and love. I, I always say this. Best volleyball game of all time for me was probably uh, Beach Bikers. Yeah, Beach Bikers. Um, Ring yeah. King. I actually liked Ring King. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm looking. There's like, there's, there were so many. I'm laughing because of the jo- the the immature joke in that game in between yes, rounds. Yes, yes. But I did play that a lot in arcades. I did. Yeah, it's just like there was like, I I said I I missed that era of where you could not be a sports fan but still enjoy sports games. Oh, Eva, how could we forget the classic and Punch Out? Punch Out. Yeah. I, I just miss I just miss Culture Brain. Where did Culture Brain go? Well, maker of your of your baseball simulator, yeah. one thousand. Yeah, 
I that played that, a ROM. That was that really weird game, like where you could like have like all the specialty pitches and stuff. Yeah, it? and it's weird. I don't remember the name right now. And there's like a fan translation patch. I downloaded a ROM for SNES of like a sequel to that, and it was it was good. Like obviously it had larger sprites, and I can't remember the name right now. Uh, but there is a ROM one can download with an English patch, which is in that series that I dare say that was on Super NES. Hmm. Yeah, that obviously we never got. No, what was the what? one? Okay, well, it wasn't this. What was the one that was like Baseball Simulator, but it had like all the weird, like magical pitches and stuff like that? I know exactly what you're talking about, and I almost oh, thought it was, was that. that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Was it was it baseball simulator? I don't. I thought it was because I, I thought uh, we could be mixing them up, but wasn't that the one when you hit the home run and you walk past the the dugout and there was like Mister T and like other? I like, don't remember that, 80... but I remember like you could like throw like you could throw your ball and it would turn to like five different balls and it'd be like shaking around <laughs> and stuff. And yeah. God, what was that game? I thought it was, but I know maybe, exactly. Maybe what it you're was. I don't about. know. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that that would be a fun episode. So, well, keep uh, you know we'll have to send that tweet out every now and then uh, on your Twitter and or mine. So M O L L I P E N uh, with the email address, and I always like the fan mail. Gives us talking points, uh, kind of spices things up. And uh, want to thank Generic Video Game Podcast listeners once again. By the time you hear this, it'll be either right around or close to Halloween. So have a very fun and safe and happy Halloween. Maybe get those Halloween games out uh, before we get into turkey season and the new titles of holiday 2016. So uh, on behalf of Molly, I want to thank everyone for hanging in there on this special episode of GVGP. And hopefully you'll, we will be back in your earbuds sooner rather than later. I'm gonna go